here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do I have everybody's attention now? I'm so jacked up just thinking about this match, and I'm standing and pacing in my den. Mikazi now, he's not okay, so, so Mikazi, he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's, he's a, a boy, he's a man. Yeah. He's, he's, he's man, man Mikazi. Are you ready? He got PWS Superstar by him. <laughs> and then he was gone in two <laughs> So it's In-Go-Bernalis. In- Bernalis. In-Go-Nerablis. You're missing a B there, but that's okay. There's a B? This is what I'm talking about. These letters don't go together. Are you having a wank, are you? And it's like, no! Many, 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 Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts Joe Lanza. Exile, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay, don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cringe. <laughs> Give me a name. I like him. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. I like in, him. in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Podcast. I am Rich Krejci alongside, as always, the man himself, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how are your Reds? I heard him in the background. Good uh, season so far. They're, they're terrible. They're a team. <laughs> they're a team that plays. plays. Well, what, so what was that? I, I saw a video shared. I, I didn't actually watch the video. What the hell happened? So they let a guy walk the bases loaded four times or, or, or walk the, the run in four times in a row? He... He came in with the bases loaded and walked in okay. and walked and walked four straight batters. <laughs> what was the Del- score at that point? Was it just like screw it, whatever, who cares? Or was it like they they like, were what- losing, but you, you you have to understand that the bullpen is historically bad and it's completely burnt out and it's it, it's a situation where it, it's just They've just been burning their bodies. They, they, yes. Yeah, they he's got to do the lumps. Okay. All right. 
So Wait, it's actually it. Steve Delabar who used to he was an all star with the Blue Jays like two years ago and then completely oh, lost his control. Remember? I do remember that. And, yeah, I do remember uh, that guy. Yeah. Oh, that's him. Now, okay, now, same guy. Yeah, now he's a shit bum. And I think they signed him <laughs> a couple days before the season started and they stockpiled him in triple A and he's been one of the rotating the Reds bullpen. I don't I don't know if you Good. know this. God, I'm looking at this right now. This is They've already set several <laughs> dubious records. One of which I subscribe is, to the play index. So let me uh, let me uh, let me see what I can do here. But yes, but go on. Earlier this season, uh, they broke the major league, the modern major league record for runs. They were, the Reds bullpen allowed a run in 20, 23 consecutive games. That's not twenty three consecutive games. Yeah, um, they have surrendered leads in the seventh inning or later, something like uh, 11 times. It's, it's just, it's historically bad. It, 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 there's, and, and this is exactly how I knew it was going to play out when the season started. You know, the lineup is fine. There's nothing wrong with the lineup. Starting pitching is, is okay. They got a lot of good young starting pitchers, but the bullpen is an absolute dumpster fire. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it's 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 a hideous hideous situation. Every night, yeah, every night they, they blow a late lead. Every night, it, and, and I'm, I'm looking at this, the- and I know you're not a a big sabermetric guy, but you, you listen to it. You know, you're not a guy. That's, a, that's why do you always say that? Let me tell you, you, you and I used to argue. You and I used to throw down all the time back in the day, if I remember correctly. Let me tell you something, Creech. I knew what sabermetric. But you like Bill James. Like- yeah, you're right. You're I knew right. what sabermetrics were when you were in diapers, and that might be literal. Okay, so don't tell me I don't like sabermetrics. <laughs> okay, I am, you know a, mean you like. I am not a slave to the numbers, to, to all of the numbers like a lot of people are. I'm skeptical of a lot of things because I was brought up on Bill James, who questions everything. Uh, but but you know, I, I I'm not one of these anti saber okay. guys. I, I don't want to be painted in that way. I, uh, well, anyway. I apologize, but anyway, the, ERA plus the, not not a crazy one. ERA plus uh, for people that don't know, and, and nobody's listening. Everybody is already X out of this podcast because it's already a wreck. But hey, we're going to talk some baseball because why not? Um, ERA plus basically just like you know, hundred is average. Anything below hundred is is you know obviously below average, and it's basically just a stat that that takes into account uh, it's ERA, but done on like a, a that scale of sort of it's it's park dependent as well, league dependent as well. So it's like you know overall you know it. Whatever it, it's it's a rate it's, stat to look at you know Mr. a Mr. pitcher's worth yeah. Mister Saber here doesn't know how to describe uh, adjusted ERA. Uh, it it's just a league adjusted ERA, Rich. That's all it is. That's a oh, very simple park. way to put it. Oh, there's there's a lot of stuff. League Park, bunch yeah. of stuff adjusted. But anyway, yeah. So league adjusted ERA uh, scale down to like a hundred, so hundred being average. Um, that's a lot of bad guys. So uh, Caleb Kaufman, I don't know who that is. He has sixty four. That's that's not great. Um, he also has a 6.52 ERA, which in case you don't need sabermetrics to know that that's not good. You want to, you know, if you're, if you're adjusted, you want your ERA to be a little bit lower than that, but if you're adjusted ERA is 64, it means you're 36% worse than an average. Yes, measure. exactly. Uh, Russ Ollendorf, he's 79 and he's one of the shining stars of it. Blake Wood, 128. So you got Blake Wood, Tony Singrani, 140. Uh, so not bad. The rest is one of the most horrendous collections of people I've ever. JC Ramirez is at 86. That's not great, but whatever. Uh, John Lamb is at 73. Didn't he used to be a position player? He, he's he's a starter. Oh, he's a starter. Oh, he is. Okay, never mind. Sorry, false alarm. Uh, your Steve Delabar guy. He's at 50. <laughs> he's at 56. It's not great. Uh, uh, look up J- look up JJ Hoover. 
Uh, JJ Hooper's at 30, which is not great. His ERA is also, uh, again, uh, you don't need a whole lot of saber to know this, uh, 14.34. Ideally, you want to give up a little bit less per nine than 14. Jumbo runs. Diaz. Read off Jumbo Diaz. Uh, where's old Jumbo Diaz? He's, uh, he's 80. Uh, 80. 80 ERA plus. Not bad. Um, whatever a Lane Thompson is, he, uh, he's at 25, so that's not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lane Thompson. Yeah, there's another one. Yep. <laughs> uh, he's got a 19.23 ERA. Uh, not great. Uh, whatever a Kavius Sampson is, uh, he has a 38 ERA plus. That's uh, Kavius Sampson. Yeah. Also not very good. Uh, Drew Hayes. Uh, oh, he's got oh, he's point- is probably horrendous. Yeah. He's got an 8.38 ERA, which not 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 wonderful. Then a 51 ERA plus. So you basically have like two guys that are even remotely above. Like Blake Wood, it's, it's Blake Wood, Tony Singrani, and an, and a pile of absolute it's, trash. That is one of the worst bullpens I've ever seen. I don't have time to do a play index here, but I'm sure somebody has this. Uh, Rich, that, Rich I wasn't kidding. It's it's a it's a historically bad bullpen, which may prove to be one of the worst of all time. I, I wasn't joking. I wasn't. There was no hyperbole at the beginning of this show. It's horrendous. You take away and listen. Singrani and Blake Wood haven't been great. If you look at their uh, if you look at their FIP, they're out pitching their peripherals. Yeah, yeah. About- and I'm looking at their their wins above replacement here as well. Uh, Singrani, he's at 0.5. Uh, Blake Wood is at 0.1, and that is the only positive wins above replacement for any of your bullpen guys. The rest of them are all negatives, including JJ Hoover, was, who was negative 0.9 in 12 games. He nearly cost an entire win. That is not easy to do. To be almost negative one win in 12 games. That is that's good God. Now is- to be to be fair. They opened the season with their entire projected starting rotation on the disabled list, all five guys. Okay. So the five guys that started the year in the rotation, some of those dudes would have been in the bullpen. Okay, so that'll help. Like Dan Straley, for instance, yeah, yeah, having right, an right. excellent year in the rotation, but he was meant to be a reliever. So it'll, when, when they get Homer Bailey and Anthony Deke Sclafani and Rysel Iglesias come back, some of those starters who are pitching all right – like Dan Straley and Brandon Finnegan will move to the bullpen, and a bunch of these guys are going to be designated for assignment, and they're going to be out of jobs. And never play okay? baseball ever again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you, you know, in independent leagues in about a year. So starting with Steve Delabar, and and <laughs> uh, you know he'll he'll be the first one out, and uh, you know so and Ross Olendorf, you'll never see those guys again. But you know, it, as of right now, it's one of the worst bullpens in the history of baseball. This is what I deal with every night. Blowing late leads every night, but it, see, it's not frustrating because Rich, it's like you're playing. It's like they look. Vegas had them pegged at seventy wins. You knew this was a rebuilding year, so it's stress free. You know what I mean? It's almost yeah, you're just comical. there. You're just having fun watching. You're just kind of like whatever. You know, whatever you get is a, is, is a surprise. You know, anything good, anything positive is just a surprise, and you're happy. You like you like to watch them win, but you you know better, and it's just you're watching guys, uh, you know, develop. And and now that no one's listening. Yeah, um, now that everybody's left. Maybe, so. maybe we can do some wrestling. Maybe. Maybe. But Let's tell you, do that. Well, my, my team is well, the first one, of, so I got no, no complaints. But I'll no, tell they're, you, they're, one, of the, one of the listener questions, though, was about the Reds' bullpen. It's so true. We got that so, I, yeah. So, again, that, that, and, and that was a, a creative thing. that we, we asked for questions. People sent us many, many great questions, which we will answer uh, towards the end of the show. And one of them was about the Reds' bullpen. So, I mean, it's not, like, completely irrelevant. I said, hey, we're a little low on topics. We need some questions. That was one of them. We talked about it. So, you know, hey, you know, get off of us. It's, it's our case. But uh, who, who let's talk rest. Let's, who was that uh, guy? I don't even know. I, I, I closed the window. I don't know. But yeah, Well, whoever you are, 
you gave us our lead <laughs> our lead topic. I don't I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> it's Cincinnati Reds bullpen. Not not even Cincinnati Reds baseball. We didn't even talk a second about the no, just they're they're horrendously awful bullpen. So that that that's fine though. That works. But let's talk. Yeah, we got plenty of stuff to talk about. We're going to uh, preview Extreme Rules here. Uh, we're going to talk Lionsgate Project 2. Uh, you did a really good piece on the website as well, kind of previewing that. So we'll do a little bit, uh, dive into that just a bit. And then the Best of the Super Juniors, which kicks off uh, this weekend, we're going to talk about everybody in there, who we think might win, some predictions for the tournament, all that other good stuff. Uh, and then, of course, your questions. As I said, we, had a, uh, we asked for questions, and we got tons of them. Just an absolute shit ton of questions uh, in a few hours. And we're going to answer the best of the best here. And, and mostly the ones that I think we'll have some pretty fun, good answers for. So, uh, and I guess we have to do female fake taxi at some point too, because people get really, really mad about that. We had like seven questions that were like, when are you going to do that? So, uh, we will try to get to that in the questions. I, I don't know, Joe, are you prepared for female fake taxi? Here, here's the thing about, should breaking we, down, should we have to do it? Here's the thing about breaking down female fake taxi. It has to come in the natural flow of the show. I can't just jump in and start talking about female fake taxi. It has to, it has to uh, come organically through something else that we're talking about. So I can't guarantee it. It'll happen at some point, maybe today, maybe next week. I don't know. I just have to, I there's like a word. There's like a trigger that I have to do, and then then it'll it'll start or right, right, right. It has to just come naturally from me. Okay. We can't just go. All right, next topic: female fake taxi. That will not feel right. I don't. I. I it's just got to come to me. Female okay. thing I'm still going in blind. I, I I've seen it in uh, in searches that I've made, and I I've clicked away. I said no, no, no. Well, have you now? Have you seen it? Joe what told me. Joe searches? told me not to watch. Joe told me not to watch. So I'm not going. What kind to. of searches are you wait. making, Rich? What are you these know. late lonely? Are these lonely? You know, you, you haven't been married long enough to have you know these these dark lonely nights. So when, <laughs> when are these searches taking place? Are you kidding? <laughs> That's I've lived there for guys, four I, years. I I've lived together for four years. Point. Trust me. You've been, Trust you've been, me. I have a lot of long lonely nights. Yeah. Excellent. We're like, I, I, I like, we'll, we'll be getting ready, and she'll be like, "Nah." I'm like, "Come on, let's go. Like, put some damn clothes on. We got to get going. Like, let's go. Like, let's, let's like, yeah, you know, it's it, there's nothing in it. It's just like, oh, you know, whatever. It's it's fun. But no, I don't even know where you're going with that. But I'm <laughs> not even gonna follow up on that. Put your damn well, clothes on. Let's get going. I don't even want to know the context of that. Uh, I, I, I don't know. We've lived together for four years or whatever. And, you know, it's, you're at a point where it's like the, the idea of, oh, my God, you're naked or, oh, my God. Like, it's just kind of like, all right, whatever. Like, I see you naked every damn day. It's, a, it's there's like no different. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, like the Seinfeld, it's a, is it like the Seinfeld episode where he was he was dating the, the woman who liked to be naked and it just became a turnoff to him at some point. He's like, just put some clothes on. She was opening the jar. Not necessarily a turn off, like, but yeah, not necessarily a turn off, but more like not really like, you know. That's, kind of you stuff, buried you, know. the, you, you did you buried the nurse enough last week, so that's I'm not you know that's that's good of you not to bury <laughs> yeah, her. People are gonna think week. I really don't like her at all. It's it's not yeah. good at all. Yeah. Oh, all right. So we'll go to extreme rules. So <laughs> that, that that I do like, and I think you like as well. So we'll talk uh, preview extreme rules here. Uh, initial thoughts. I know people. Um, I've noticed, and I mentioned it on Twitter, uh, I believe yesterday, is that it seems like the show has very little buzz. You know, using the old VOW buzzometer, it doesn't seem like many people are talking about it, many people are discussing it, many people are, are pumped up for it. But the build's been pretty good. It might be, it's, I don't know if it's the short build, I don't know if it's because it's only been, you know, three weeks since payback. I don't know what it is exactly, but the buzzometer is really low, but it's been a very good build. Do you agree? I think the build's been, been, very good, and I thought that the Raw this past Monday was one of the best quote-unquote go-home uh, Raws before a pay-per-view it, that I can remember in recent memory. Um, at least that I can remember. It was. It, I thought that the three there are three matches in particular 
uh, four really, four matches in particular that were built very, very well on Raw. They've been keeping it very simple. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that or if that's kind of your thought of it as well. It just seems like it's been very, and some people don't like that. Some people kind of get bored by very simple builds and very, you know, predictable builds. But I love that stuff. I eat that up. That's how wrestling was forever. It was built in just very simple ideas of, okay, we're facing off. Here's why we don't like each other. And, that, you know, you didn't need a, a tons of, a, of different bells and whistles to every single thing. You don't have to throw a guy through a glass window for it to, you know, and this, I feel like this has been a very simple build. And when we look at, at you know, the AJ uh, Roman one, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. You know, something as simple as AJ hitting him with a chair, like one chair shot, was enough to get like the juices going for this match. And like, think of this company of that being just enough to get the thing going. Just you know, Styles and Roman just talking in the ring and and doing a good job of it and feeling real for the for almost one of the first times in Roman Reigns' career. It felt like, oh my god, this is like a real human being talking here. This isn't just a robot. And and Styles is being very human and and being very normal. And it's just it's been very simple. I don't know if you've gotten that same idea or if other people have that idea, but that's what I've gathered from this entire build. Is it's just like they haven't gotten too cute with this thing. It's just been, you know, hey, here's the matches and here's why they don't like each other and there you go. That's it. Yeah, there's uh eight matches on this show. I really like the build for five of them. Um, and, and you're right. Most of those five, the builds have been very simple. Uh, the one match where they've sort of overdone it on the build and gone a little overboard is Ambrose Jericho, uh, you know, with your straight jackets and your barbed wire, uh, boards and your asylum match and all that. And that's kind of come off very hokey. And maybe that's because everything else, like you say, has been so mm-hmm. simple. Um, but other than that, and I'm you we're going to go through them all. I think they've done a, a, an excellent job building most of these matches. So, uh, so yeah, I agree. And a lot of it uh, is simplicity, especially the, the, the rain styles, which is just, yeah. well, there's some layers there, but, but it, it has been a pretty simple, I want your belt. And the other guy's saying, well, you're not going to win it from me. And, and, and I also think right. you're full of shit. <laughs> and then you just go from there. Yeah, it's it's been very 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 simple. No no heel authority figure. Yeah, uh, so, you my. know it, it's just a refreshing world title program. Uh, yeah, let's go. Uh, let's go uh, match by match here, and we'll talk a little bit. We'll do our uh, our, our zero to ten game as well. Uh, the pre-show, uh, which apparently this match is just bound to <laughs> be on the pre-show uh, in perpetuity. It's Dolph Ziggler versus Baron Corbin, and it, it, don't worry, it's no DQ this time. So you know, <laughs> no more of those shenanigans that has been happening so often that. Required <laughs> to, to, ne- to necessitate this, yes. I, I don't know why it's an ODQ. Uh, they've fought each other in normal matches, and people have won, but this time it's an ODQ. So, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I you know maybe maybe Baron Corbin will win this time, and people will stop moaning about it. But I really couldn't give a shit uh, either way with this that. match. Which I, is, is good. I, really, I really don't care. I don't know if you saw the questions, but there's one coming up uh, later that we'll talk about. That's I, pretty I good. But yeah. Not- I, I'm, Oh, okay. do you want to just like tie that. the question? Do you want to just tie the question in now? And I can do that. I can do that. So since you're talking about Baron Corbin, and you said you know maybe he'll win, and people will calm down. Uh, let's see. This was all right. It's from Gregory Davis. It was uh, TGD287 on our forums, which by the way, voiceofwrestling.com/forums is where we got the questions. He said, "How long until the Drifter Elias Sampson joins Baron Corbin in the group of fans like him? Ironically, to the point of legit liking, despite minimal improvement." I feel like, and people get mad when I people get mad when I say this, but I, I really feel like a lot of people have talked themselves into liking Baron Corbin. Yes, I'm right with you too. I still don't get it at all. It it started off as an ironic thing, no matter what they say, 
And and maybe through that they said, hey, you know what? I do kind. Of, it, it's like they talked themselves into liking him because there's really not much there. I mean, all right, he threw out a couple cute quips on Twitter, okay. But I mean, in, in terms, all right. But a lot of people do that. But I mean, you he know, told, it's he like, told Apollo Cruz to go back to Ring of Honor. Remember that he stuck it to the marks. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and that was all well and good, <laughs> cool. and yeah, yeah, nice right, little line. But I mean, you know. Um, I, I really feel like a lot of the people who are who are into Baron Corbin sort of just talk themselves into it or have worked themselves into the proverbial shoot. Um, and I do think that Greg is on to something. The Drifter could be the next guy where that happens. I, I could totally see that happen. <laughs> That's going to be a it's going to be a hard hill to climb. But you know what? Honestly, that, I thought that'd be a tall hill to climb. But the Baron, I, I thought the same thing about Baron Corbin that there was no way people would ever turn the corner on him or ever because he's just there's I I'm with you I just there's no juice to anything he does and it's not necessarily all his fault like he he's probably on this roster way before he needs to be he's definitely not ready I think we can all agree on that and there's a reason they're put, sticking him on the pre-show all these times against you know somebody like Adolf Ziggler but yeah I, I just don't get it I've seen really nothing from him I mean it's fine it's okay I guess it's okay, fine for the pre-show whatever you know it won't bother me one bit but it's just yeah there's just the, the juice factor with anything with Baron Corbin in it especially with Adolf Ziggler in 2016 is just like like I, I gotta go with a one with this match like I, I couldn't possibly care less if I miss this match if I see it no I miss I, it, I no bearing on my life whatsoever if I see it or if I don't see it zero bearing on my life totally agree don't care at all and the Baron Corbin thing is playing out exactly the way I said it would when they called him up when I said they called him up too early they don't trust this guy to go out there and have a 18 minute WWE style match they just don't and the proof is how they position them on these shows. Um, now, look, I think, again, I th- we're, we're probably writing the guy off too soon, and I don't want to do that. He has plenty of time to develop. He's a legitimate yeah, athlete. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's like it seems like we have the same conversation all the time about him. It's like um, you know, we have to give hot takes. We have to do that. We're doing a podcast. Uh, right now, he's not very good. Um, but I don't want to complete. I don't want to write the guy off. Um, but yeah, I, I have no interest in this match. Uh, all right. So thank you, Greg, for your question. We'll get to more questions uh, later in the show. But uh, let's get to the meat of the card now. Um, we'll start with the Texas Tornado tag match, the Usos, Jimmy and Jay, of course, against the club, Carl Anderson and Luke Gals. We have not had a chance to talk about it. The club as a name. Hate it. Love it. Meh. Uh, I mean. It, it comes off, look, I, you know, I don't know. WWE seems like they should be a, sort of above that sort of thing. You know what Agreed. I mean? Kind of just ripping off a that's, name from that's another TNA company. Thing. That's like a straight TNA, like a TNA 2008 thing. You, you know what I mean? Where they grabbed a yeah. team. Like there was, there was a team from WWE called whatever, and they would just be like, all right, we can't call them like that. But like, like they would honestly, like the exact same scenario, TNA would do it, and everybody would make fun of them for it. You, you know what I mean? And rightfully so, because yes. it, it is – it's very low rent to call them the club. It's like every time they brought in like Road Dogg and, and, and Billy Gunn, I forgot what they like. They called them just the dumbest things for so long. Like I think uh, they were the outlaw or like, no, Billy Gunn was the outlaw for a while. Right. It's, it was just like dumb stuff like that, that they was just like, no, it's so low rent. Like get a different name or get the name, you know, get the name that they actually are or, or, you know, don't bother with the club. It's just dancing around, you know, copyrights in a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I think it's super low rent. At the same time, it's kind of cool that they have recognized the history between AJ Styles and these two guys and have referenced Japan a million times um, and even have directly referenced New Japan a couple of times. And IWGP, or as Michael Michael Cole calls it, you know, IGWP, 
Um, <laughs> you know, so they've made direct references. They made indirect references. And it's kind of cool because that, you know, for the Fernandos of the world, it means nothing. But to guys like me and you, it's kind of a cool nod to us. Okay, they're, they're carrying over storylines from another company. And we've been yelling so about that, that forever. Yeah, we've been yes. yelling, do that, do this, please do this. Like it doesn't, Fernando doesn't care. They're called the club. I saw some of my friends, uh, casual fan friends that were like, oh, I like the club. Like if you, did you, I like their logo or I like these t-shirts or whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. Like they have no idea. They have no idea what the bullet club is, but they're into the club. But I can be also be in a way into it too, because I know some of the background. So that's what we, that multi-layered story is what we've been talking about. They've been doing for, or they should be doing for so long. So it is good that they're doing it, but yeah, I'm. Um, I'm with you. Yeah, it, it it just seems low. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sort of conflicted on it. It feels low rent, yes. but at the same time, it feels kind of cool that they're doing an ode to it. I just kind of wish they maybe came up with a different name and, and could maybe do the whole thing and do the whole style and they could look all the same and everything, but just maybe call it something different. But I, I get why they've chose this name. I mean, it, it's it's marketable. It's an easy market. And, and it's rare that this company would do something like this ever. So that in, in that sense, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, so I, I'm split on it too. As far as the match, look, these teams have faced each other a million times already. They face each other on Raw. They face each other on SmackDown. Uh, the club won the first couple of matches. Now the Usos have, have gotten the better of them a few times. I have no problem with this. As a you know, a little opener, a little mid card match, two teams that are feuding. No problem with this match at all. Again, this is what you were alluding to earlier. Nice and simple. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I'm right with you. We're uh, zero to ten. Where are you anticipating this match, or what, what are you I, feeling for? You know, it's it's a five because it, it's I, I have I, you know I I don't want to bury it, but I'm not you know I can't tell you I'm super excited about it either because Luke Gallows is in the match and it's sort of carried over. I you know I thought he would kind of be a little more motivated in in, in this company <laughs> as opposed to a company where he can goof off, and um and and he's not goofing off as much here, but he's still Luke Gallows and he just isn't very good. And I'll tell you what, Carl Anderson. He's sort of in an adjustment period right now. This is not the Carl Anderson uh, that we've been accustomed to over the last decade or so, uh, wrestling in Japan or whatnot. He still seems to be feeling his way, finding his way. I'm not worried about it. He's a good worker, and I'm not saying he's been terrible, but he hasn't been anything special either. There's, 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 there's nothing special about him. Um, and, and it's kind of hard when you're sort of a background character and a lackey to AJ Styles, which is what they've been to this point. And that's not a complaint. I see a lot of people complaining about the way they've been booked. Look, that's their role right now. Their role is to be part of that feud and to help the AJ Styles uh, storyline move along. And that's fine. They'll do their own thing eventually. And uh, But but I, I can't be too excited about it because I've seen enough of the Anderson Gallows team to know that they never do anything for me or hardly ever do anything for me. Yeah, and, and the Usos for me, I, I enjoy their work a lot, but they're kind of, you know, it, it's it's been, you've just seen the same sort, sort of song and dance for the Usos for so long now, and it's just like, all right, you know, you know, I like, it's hard to get really, like, I'm, I'm on about a six with this match, just because I enjoy so far what they've done with the club, and I've, I've enjoyed this feud a lot, because it's been very simple, and it's kind of an old school tag team, you know, feud build, uh, yes. but yeah, either, both of the teams, it's just kind of like, I don't know. There's just no juice for either of those guys. And I'm sure for some people, the club is interesting and fun and different. But it's like, especially for like people that watch New Japan, it's like, man, it's like Anderson and Gallows again. You know, like we've just seen exactly. them so many times. And it's like the matches aren't going to be any different than like what I mean. There's I, I just I, I can't fathom it being like a surprisingly good match. It's going to be an OK match. It's going to be solid. It's going to be OK because the Usos are always at that level. Anderson, you know, as you said, he's been in a rough patch, but you know, he he can at least work to a relatively decent level. So it's going to be decent slash. Okay. And that's like, all right, rich, that's fine. Over, over, but yeah, rich over, over, under, over, under two and three quarters. 
Is that a good? Did I set? Did I set it at a good place? That's a good set because that's about. Uh, I would go under. I have two and a half dancing in my head. So, okay. if it's you? anything like the raw, if it's anything like the first raw match they had, it's going to be under. That was a two star special all the way. One of the most boring control periods you'll ever see from the heels. Uh, so uh, maybe they'll ramp it up because it's a pay per view. I'm going to go. I'll, I'll be optimistic. I'll say they hit three. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Nice. All right. Uh, before the next match, we got a little storyline here from how we opened the show. Uh, Joey Votto, two-run double. Eugenio <laughs> Suarez, two-run home run. Reds take Reds head to the seventh with a two-run lead over the Indians. So there's your storyline, Rich. We got a two-run lead in the seventh. <laughs> this is usually the danger zone. Jumbo Diaz is in from the pen, freshly called Hey-o. in from play. Uh, will they hold the lead? Uh, no. <laughs> They're up 6-4, top 7. Jumbo Diaz is in the game. Okay, If they can survive the 7th, I assume we'll get Blake Wood in the 8th, and then we'll get Singrani in the ninth. Uh, will they hold? You, you don't think they'll hold the lead? Will they at least I, get the I got no. Yeah, I got uh, y- uh, No. You don't even think they'll get the Singrani? Okay, we'll no. see. I'll keep you updated. Okay. Yeah, please do. Please do. We're, we're all waiting for bit for especially the people that are you, listening later and already know the results. Or don't. <laughs> Awful. Which is yeah, either A, you already know, or B, you just don't care. And, 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 perfect. But I will have you know, Rich, you created this monster. Uh, next I did. Match. No, yep. That uh, is my fault. Uh, all right. I I'll do three hours of Reds baseball. Don't tempt me. <laughs> I screwed up everything. All right. The Asylum match. Dean Ambrose versus Chris Jericho. Uh, what, what, what do you got here? Okay. The thing about this, I want to talk about Jericho quickly for a second. I've turned the corner on on Dad Jericho here. Um, I think he's doing a tremendous job, and the and the reason I say that is he's one of the few wrestlers in the business uh, today who's getting genuine heat. It's not go away heat. He's not getting cheered at all, and he's getting legitimate heel reactions from the crowd. This guy is a master at manipulating crowds. He's doing a tremendous job. This is the hardest era ever to manipulate a crowd because everybody wants to be smarter than the product. You know what I mean when, when I say that? And right. he's getting legitimate heel heat with this sort of – he's sort of morphed from – he's not really dad Jericho anymore. With this feud, he's sort of morphed into delusional rock star Jericho with the take it in, man. I love that line. I don't know where he got that or came up with it, but it's a tremendous line. And uh, it's just, and he's getting legitimate heel heat now. Um, so I, I, I like what he's doing in the ring. You've been pounding on it the past couple of shows. He's clearly slipping between the bells. There's no question about that. I think his character work over the last couple of weeks, particularly over the last two Raws and the last SmackDown, has been tremendous. And uh, that's kind of been the saving grace here because I, you know, the asylum match, eh, I could live without the weapons and the gimmicks and all that nonsense. And you know, I could jackets. Live without... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I could Dean live Ambrose without... is so kooky. He's just so crazy and weird. He steals exactly. jackets. He's a rodeo clown again. And we all know how it is with him. It's like when, when they cross that line with Ambrose, he falls into cartoon territory. I don't like that, but I like everything Jericho's doing here with this feud. I'm with you. I, I've been enjoying Jericho as well. In ring, yeah, it remains to be seen, and I think this match will be another example of him just not really quite uh, being there in ring. And, and I mentioned this uh, again a few weeks ago when we were talking about uh, payback. Is that you can tell the wheels are sp- you can tell Jericho's just got- he still understands what he wants to do. He still understands how to formulate a match, how to have a good match, and, but he just can't 
do it at the same level. It's just kind of this this different speed of him, and everything he does just looks a little bit more weird and a little bit more awkward and everything. But he's making the character work, and I I think it, it's as you mentioned the transition away from kind of the pseudo babyface dad Jericho thing into as you said a delusional heel has been a great move. I think it's been the absolute best move for him because he would come back these prior years and he would just be hey it's Chris Jericho you remember him right he was the undisputed champion blah, blah, blah. and it just had nothing it was just like okay you know what this at least there's a different vibe to Jericho and that's that's something that he mentions all the time when he said when he came back and did you know the slow talking suit wearing you know world champion one he couldn't be the Jericho of old he had to do something different and then for whatever reason every subsequent comeback he would just continue to just regress into this like weird where it was just kind of smiling and like hey it's Chris Jericho and then he'd leave in two months and then it was well, like, the, right, weird, well, the weird yeah the weird the weird smiley thing didn't work at all that was an absolute no, it was, bomb. Yeah. Well, there was like the weird one where he came out and didn't say any words, and then That's just kind of went. Yeah, there was. Well, then he like, and then the every like that was like three or four years ago, if I remember correctly. And then he came back other times, and it was just like Chris Jericho, yeah, like you know what I mean. Like I, I think it was like last summer or whatever. He came back for a few, Matt, and it was just like, all right, here's Chris Jericho. <laughs> like that's cool. And, like there was nothing. He had like no character. There was nothing. It was just Chris Jericho, the guy. And it's been fun to see him. Uh, again, because he's one of the best character workers of all time. Like I, I, I adore the guy. I adore his character work as well. So seeing him in a role that clearly he's a little bit invested in, that clearly he enjoys, has been fun. And it's made the build a lot better because I'm with you. The, if you strip, if you made Jericho just a generic whatever heel, and Ambrose was doing whatever the hell Ambrose is doing right now, I would have no interest in this match. And even as it is, I really don't care about the match itself. I more or less just care about seeing the interactions of Jericho and Ambrose or, or the interactions of Jericho, but the match itself, I could, I couldn't possibly care less. Like I'm going to go with a six because I just don't think it's gonna be very good. I know it's just going to be filled with dumb gimmicks that I'm not really going to care about, but yeah, it seems weird. Cause I enjoy the build and I enjoy the character of Jericho, but this match, I just, I, I don't know. I have no like feel for this match at all. I, I don't know if you agree or I don't, I don't enjoy- it's like, who cares? I don't care. Like I really just don't care. I don't enjoy the build. I've just enjoyed Jericho's work. The whole thing, it's built around the, the fucking jacket. I mean, it's built around the blinking jacket. <laughs> and that's Jean-Pierre Lafitte. He's, he's, he's just, he stole the jacket. That's Dean Ambrose is now a pipe. Ass. Right. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, and then he put Dean in the straight jacket. It's built around the fucking jacket. I don't, but, but Jericho's character work, I think has been top notch. All right, uh, move on now. Yeah, the Fatal 4-Way Intercontinental Championship match. You got The Miz, the champion, defending against Kevin Owens, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn. What do you think about this match? Well, Jumbo's got two on with one out in the seventh, and there's a mount visit <laughs> going on. So you, know, you Jumbo, <laughs> Jumbo's in trouble. And let me tell you, Rich, I've seen this movie before, okay? Uh, so the 4-Way for the Intercontinental title. Um, again, a simple build, okay? You got four guys who don't like each other very much. Kevin Owens doesn't like any of these guys, and he's got different reasons for not liking any of them. Uh, you know, the Miz is 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 the prick in the match, and and he's uh, talk about a guy that's been doing great character work, especially since Maurice has come back. Uh, you know, and Sami Zayn is always Sami, and you know, you got Cesaro now with this with ripping the suit, and he's there to provide a little work rate. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm looking forward to, to this. What do you think of the Cesaro ripping suit like thing? That. Not to interrupt. What, what do you think of the Cesaro <laughs> ripping suit entrance thing? I think it's stupid. I think it's- <laughs> I don't know. I think it's all right. I mean, I don't love it. I don't hate it, but it, I just think it's there. I don't, I don't, it's okay. Um, I think it's just needlessly complicated. It just takes too long to get going. It's like, all right, what are you doing? Like, let's just go. Let's, let's go. 
it kind of reminds me of it kind of reminds me of the most money making man a little bit because you know he wore the goofy suits during that era you know when he had the ponytail and he wore like the big fat you know ugly ties and you know he was doing the whole uh, swiss uh, money holding deal so it's kind of a, a subtle callback to that but it's more of like a james bond inspired thing at the same time i really have no opinion I, I don't. I just know. don't know what it, it's supposed to be. Like, what is? Like, what is it? You know, like, that's what I mean. Like, there's weird like callbacks to his old thing, and it's kind of like James Bond, but he's not really like James Bond. It's just like he's just the guy that comes out and rips his. Like, it's fine. Like, I don't care because Cesaro gets in the ring and it's great, and I, I you know, I enjoy him. But to the entrance is just like it's is got it me. A, kinda, look, and the song doesn't um, match either. It's like if he's gonna be the James Bond guy, change his damn song or something. Like, what? What is he? I don't know what it's supposed to be. That's the thing. I just don't get it. Yeah, I I don't I don't know what it's supposed to be either. Wild pitch, second and third one out. But uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's like, it, but he's he's really he's he's just he's there to have good matches for now. You know what I mean? And yeah. we'll see how he comes out of this whole thing. Um, but uh, but yeah, look, look, I again, fun build. I like Kevin Owens when they. I don't know if you watched Raw, but when they were making the tag match, uh, yeah, when Shane made the tag match and he said it's going to be Kevin Owens and the Miz. For Cesaro and Sami Zayn, I don't know if you caught it, but Owens was like, "Oh, come on, you team me with the with the worst one." I love shit like that. <laughs> He's been so good. I mean, Owens, and and again, like it's not a revelation or whatever, but like the stuff he does in the ring, like it just in terms of. And it, it's been so long. It's like so weird to have a guy that does this where he, you know, reacts to things and talks and like he's in the ring and he's always yapping. He's saying something. He's interacting with the crowd. He's, it's just like, you, you know what I mean? Like it's something that you hear this guy and it's something that everybody should be doing. It's like something that a lot of people should be able to do and should be able to do well and it would enhance a match. But it's like he's one of the few guys in, in recent memory that I can remember that's actually like – it's just it, it adds so much to his matches. Him on the apron, you know. Oh, that's a good move. Okay. Oh yeah. Wow. Cool. Real impressive. Like there's just such a vibe about him now, and it's it's everybody's getting on board with it a little bit. And I know he's still he's still getting booze, which is good too. I mean, it's like there's a subset of fans that really you know enjoy what he does, but there's a lot of people that still hate him because he's still a very uh, hateable guy. Like his character is not somebody that you really necessarily love in a lot of ways because he's kind of a prick and he's kind of a, a, a dickwad to really, you know, like to to nice people or whatever. He's just always getting involved. It's just like to, sometimes you want him to shut up, but it's such a he's just reached such a good. You know what he is, Rich. You know what he is. He's selfish. That's his yeah. His like it's hard to tr- it's hard to root for that kind of guy. It's really he hard to root for. Yeah. He, he he only cares about his needs and his needs only. And and but there's a dose of realism in that because he always ties it back to his family. But yes. at the end of the day, he's selfish. He turned on his best friend, and that's kind of been the running theme. Uh, he only cares about win, you know winning titles for himself and winning money for he's he's selfish is what you're trying to get at. Uh, one run in, two outs, six five Reds runner on third, two outs. Mike <laughs> Napoli is at the plate. Jumbo All is right. uh, wiping the brow. He's he's wearing down here. But uh, but Price is leaving him out there to die. Twenty seven pitches in, so we'll see what Mike Napoli does. One two count here. But yes, yeah, so it's Owens is selfish. Okay, that's basically the essence of his character. Um, oh boy, where was that blue? Oh man, right on the black. That was right on the black. Unbelievable. You're, you're, you're taking uh, after your boy Mike Francesa here by uh, live commentating a game that <laughs> that nobody that's else true. cares. Yeah. That's one of his favorites. And, but, but the worst part about this is people are going to listen to it three days later. Yeah, at least at least he's live. So like, despite him being in like terrible violation of like broadcasting laws, uh, we are not. We're we're sort of doing that, but we're also just not doing it in a way that anybody's 
that's going to listen. This series will be over by the time people listen to this. Yeah. Uh, yes. But yeah. So anyway, th- this match, the inter- the four way intercontinental match, I'm I'm excited for this. I really don't know who's going to win, so that's good. I don't want to think about it too much because I don't want to figure out who's going to win. I'm going to give it a six. Yeah, I'm I'm at about a seven here, just because any interaction of Owen, Cesaro, and Zayn is a okay with me. And the Miz, he's been really good too. I like his character, and and I've always been a guy that's enjoyed the Miz's in ring work. I've never been one that thought he absolutely deter you know he would just destroy any match he was in. Of course, now we're getting like the other side that are like, oh, the Miz is like one of the best workers in the business right now. It's like, all right, well, you know, it's really in a little bit. Like he's fine. He's very he's good. But like let's 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 kind of reel it in here. Like people are, oh, he's had the best in ring year of all these four. And I was like, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean. Sami Zayn did, you know, face Shinsuke Nakamura at Takeover and had, you know, arguably the match of the year. But whatever, like that. that either way, like the Miz will not deteriorate this match. I, the, any his interactions in here aren't going to drag anybody else down. Like he's going to be a very good part of this match. And then Owen Cesaro and Zayn are just professional workers, so it's just it's going to be a very good match. I think as long as you don't get the thing that I hate always, you know, with multi man WWE matches that it's one on one and two guys are lying outside of the ring half the time. You know, I, I don't know if they're going to do that. I'm sure there will be parts of that just because that's how they tell their stories. But it'd be nice to see them sort of always be an interaction between at least, you know, you know at least three of the people involved at, at some point. But we'll see. But I, I'm looking forward. I, I think I put a seven on it. And, yeah, I, I really do think it's going to be a fun match. And as you said, I don't know who's going to win. I don't know who's going to win the title. And that's always fun when you go in with a completely idea of, okay, I might see a title change. I might not. And I don't know who who's going to win that title. I don't know if it's going to be Owens. It might be Cesaro. It could be Zayn. Like, anybody in this match could win the, ma- could win the title. And that, that makes it a lot of fun uh, for me as well. So, uh, move on. United States Championship. You got Kalisto defending his title against Rusev. And I know you want to talk about Rusev. Uh, that man, you think, how many people have been rehabbed this many times and rehabbed this well than Rusev? Think about well, it. Well, this is the first time. I mean, unless you're going to go a different direction with this because uh, they did the love triangle. Then they put him right into, uh, well, first the horrible John Cena feud. Then the love triangle. And then League of Nations. So now they're finally, this is the rehab that I've been waiting for. Because this is the Rusev that sort of took the company by storm uh, in those great matches with Jack Swagger and Big E where he's just an ass kicker. He's no nonsense and he's a serious threat. And this is what I've been waiting for and this is what I'm excited about. And I'll tell you what, this is one of those builds I was talking about at the top that I've just loved. It's just so simple. It's just been perfect. I wouldn't change a thing about the build for this. I love that Callisto is still buddies with Sin Cara, and I love that Sin Cara has sort of been used as, as, as you know, Rusev has, got, have, has had to go through Sin Cara to get the Callisto. He had to beat him on, it was either Raw or SmackDown, I can't remember. He had to beat Sin Cara, and then, uh, you know, Callisto's having a match with Alberto Del Rio, and Rusev's in the back beating the living shit out of Sin Cara, who was cheering his buddy on. And, uh, you know, and, and then he put the beating on Callisto, which is the perfect way for, to set up a heel challenge for a babyface title going into a, a pay-per-view, uh, planting those seeds that he's going to go in there and just squash this guy. And Rich, I, I've been saying it from the beginning, I really believe that Rusev should just squash Callisto, destroy him in Vader-like fashion, and take this belt on this pay-per-view. What do you think of that? It'd be fun. Yeah, it'd be a fun little... Um, yeah, I think that'd be a good... Because, I mean, does Callisto... I... And people would probably get mad because they, they want Kalisto to be. But I don't think Kalisto really thing, loses thinking, a whole lot from that. Yeah, He doesn't, and I'll tell you why, and then I'm going to let you go. The reason is they've already established that he won the feud with Alberto Del Rio. 
He's beaten bigger guys. They've Correct. done the storyline already where he's the small guy who's overcome it. And he's still he survived. He's still he, he survived Alberto Del Rio. He survived the Ryback. So yeah, they, they've, the Ryback. Yeah. they've established that he can survive those guys. So I think you nailed it on the head. This doesn't destroy his his, his vibe at all because he's already beaten bigger guys. And what it does too is it puts Rusev above those guys in a way where it puts him in another upper, it puts him in an upper echelon. It puts him above what you would consider Del Rio or a Ryback or whatever, which is a good thing. Like you don't want everybody to, again, like we talk about all the time, this giant blob of like the mid card of WWE. A, a definitive win against a guy who's had really good wins against a Del Rio, a Ryback, and a bunch of other guys. Like you said, a definitive win. By Rusev, and I think that's the the big point. I, I I'm right with you as well because I think that's something that th- this company doesn't do enough anymore. Is just say, you know what, hey, a, a real you know, a real statement match where a guy just goes in there and dominates a guy, and it's just like, oh crap, like that guy's for real now. You, you know what I mean? Like, here's what I want. Like I'll that, go, I, awesome. I want a step further. I don't want a definitive win. I want a 90 second squash with no bullshit, no shenanigans. Just beats the living shit out of him. Puts him away in 90 seconds. Sin Cara comes in to check on his buddy and he destroys him too. That would totally reestablish this dude as an absolute force. And then if you want, you've got a million different directions you can go. You can have John Cena come in and I wouldn't do it because the last feud was horrendous. But look, you know, the last time we saw Cena, you know, he was built around the United States title, right? So you've got your built-in natural feud there if you want to go that direction. There's a bunch of different ways you can go. You could have Callisto chase after that and, and try to prove himself against the big... There's a bunch of different things you could do, but I would have Rusev squash Callisto. I really would. I think it... it and like you said, they, don't, they, they really don't do enough of that anymore. No, it's something that they, I, I think they could definitely utilize uh, a bit more. Um, what, what would you put a 0 to 10 on this match? Well, I'm, I'm at about an 8 here. That's where I'm at. I'm at an 8. I can't wait because I've really... I've really bought into the build. They've really done a good job tapping into my wrestling fan with the way that they've told this story. One thing I did want to mention, uh, and I was kind of thinking about this when we were getting ready for the show, and I guess it it sort of played into how I started it. And I mentioned, I said the word rehab. Maybe the word rehab wasn't really the the correct word, but maybe the guy who's made, who's had a bunch of different changes in his career. He's been around for what, two, three years now. And he's had a few different sort of paths and things that he's done. And of course the love triangle. And And so not all of it's been good. Some of it's been crappy, but almost no matter what they've thrown at Rusev and no matter what they've had him do and no matter what feud he's been in or no matter who he's been against, he's almost always made it work. And I, I was trying to think about this of a guy that came up through their system in recent memory, that's been as good as Rusev, because Rusev is just fucking good. Like, can we just get to that point now where we're not surprised that this guy has good matches or has good feuds or or has a good build? Rusev's just really fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Like, hey man, I was driving the bandwagon. You're right, but no, I don't know if enough people really appreciate this guy. Like, this we're, we're talking those Big E matches of what two years ago? That was like two SummerSlam two years ago, correct? If two, I'm uh, two, those two summers ago were the Big E. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it still feels fresh that like that was two years ago. That guy was already being like, oh, my God. Like, And since then, he's had a bunch of weird shit in between and it hasn't been great creatively. But like in ring wise, that guy's really good. Like that's a guy who uh, most people just kind of wilt and die with all this shit that they've been giving him. But he hasn't. He's I, there's something weird. about. It. I don't know what it is. They found something in this guy. And I really hope they do something because it's like this guy's really, really good. He's just awesome. He should be a mainline player at the top of the card because he can work at that level and he projects he can project a realism uh, as well as anyone with maybe the possible exception of Brock Lesnar in terms of (laughs) a guy who just brings a realistic element of you really feel like he can destroy people. 
And he really projects that very well. So, look, I'm a huge fan of the guy. I always have been. I've been very disappointed with everything they've done from the John Cena feud until now. Um, and I'm glad that, that that it appears that they're going back to old school Rusev. It's really been a wasted year for him, year, year and a half, whatever it's been. Uh, move on now to the uh, – okay, so there's a lot of stuff here. All right. <clears throat> so this is a submission match for the Women's Championship. It's Charlotte defending her title against Natalia. Uh, if Ric Flair re- uh, disregards his ban from ringside, Charlotte will lose her title. So there we go. We now, Rich, stipulation. Let me ask you, how do you te- how do you even tease that? Because you have to tease it. Does he come out on the ramp? Does he? Do they show him in the back with some terrible backstage shenanigans? During? Do they cut away from the match to show him like trying to get through security? And like, how do you tease it? I don't know. Do, yeah, or do you not I, tease I, it at all and just it's you just keep him at? It's it. just a red herring. But then why would you do that though? I mean, then then people are going to be spending this entire match waiting, looking at the ramp. It's the old WCW thing where it's like, all right, it's a Nitro main event, so everybody gets up and looks at the ramp and goes, okay, who's coming out first, or how is this match going to be? Because if you say that and if you mention this thing. Nobody is going to say, "Oh, good. We're just going to get a good old." It's it's you know. I think Jerry McDivitt, uh, the WWF lawyer, said this for some. I forgot what the exact situation was, but he said in wrestling, if we say this, we mean the opposite. Anytime we say this, it means the opposite is going to happen. So by them saying, no one is actually going to this match going, oh, good, Ric Flair is not coming out. We're going to get an actual just one on one match between the two. Everybody's thinking, oh my god, how is Ric Flair going to come out and what's he going to do? Right? right, like right. like nobody in the world believes Ric Flair is not coming out in some way, shape, or form. But you're right. I don't know what they do or how he does it or where he does. You know, does somebody trick him into coming into the ring or is it something stupid like that? Or I, I don't know. Yeah, is it? I, think, I I'm sure I there's think, gonna be ref shenanigans. A ref's gonna go down and then yes. he's gonna come out and then God only knows. Well, like, not even a ref going down. Maybe Charles Robinson will be the ref and they'll have him. <laughs> I like, like how he's just my favorite thing about the tra- and that's why I hated it at Payback that he was the guy that did it is because then like a week later he was just back being a normal ref and nobody cared. Nobody like right. Like wouldn't somebody be like, hey, uh, <laughs> Charles, you kind of like well, what was that out there? But nobody, no, you know. No, mm-hmm. no mention. It's just he's just back. It's just like how how dare you remember a week ago? How dare you remember a giant story from a week ago? How dare you in this company? It's just it's so ridiculous. Because you're right. It's going to be Charles Robinson, and they're going to be like, oh, Charles Robinson, and then like yeah. Oh my god. I think it'll be an enormous it's mistake. So silly. I think it'll be an enormous mistake if Natalia wins. She can't win. Now she'll look like an absolute geek if she loses again. But that's okay. It's Natalia. Who cares? I mean, her her gimmick is kind of is that she's a dork. So I mean, you know, and it's like uh, it, this was okay as a little placeholder feud before Charlotte moves on to bigger and better things. I hope they don't get sucked in to a situation where they think Natalia has to, but I don't think that they will because I think Charlotte has done a good job as champion, and I think they recognize that, and I think they're they're. Look, this is good that they're giving Charlotte a nice long run here with yeah. the title to establish this, you know, quote unquote new, you know, women's championship. I think that's a good thing. And they mentioned it a little bit as well. I think there was a stat. I forgot if WWE brought it out or someone else did that. You know, she's been on like you know, X amount of consecutive pay per views, and that's like the the most that any women's wrestler has in the past, you know, fifteen years, something like that. So it's it's, been a, it's really cool it's, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's something 11, like that. I forgot what the exact number. Were. Oh, eleven. Okay, it's eleven consecutive pay per views, which is uh, some sort of record for. Uh, mm-hmm. A female wrestler in the company so yeah which, which is great yeah i'm right with you and i think the the big thing is when when she gets the throne and whoever does beat her it does it shouldn't be natalia you know what i mean like it's been a fun little distraction natalia's had a nice little story but 
now that you've had this run and you've built it up as well as you have, because I think they've done a very good job, as you mentioned, with Charlotte's run, it, it, who defeats her just cannot be thrown away and used as nothing, as used as, oh, that's fun that Natalia won and then, you know, Charlotte wins the next day. It can't be that. It's got to be a definitive, big time, big deal when somebody beats her, whether it be a Sasha Banks, whether it be whoever it is, regardless, when they beat her. It's got to be a big deal now because you've established that this 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 run and this reign is a big deal. You can't throw it away on someone like Natalia who just what's the upside of Natalia being the champion? You, you know, there's nothing there. There really just legitimately is nothing. And, and Natalia's been fine. Decent in this feud. But it's like, yeah, you, you got to think big picture. And Natalia winning is not the big picture whatsoever. Anything else on that match? Oh, zero to ten. We forgot to do that. Uh, six. All right. I'm gonna go about a five. Yeah, and ring will be okay. But uh, move on now. We have the WWE Tag Team Championship. We got the New Day defending their titles against your team, the Vaude Villains. Woo! All pumped up, Rich. I'm pumped up for the Vaude Villains. And oh, I thought it was something with the Reds. Did the Reds shut it down? or? Well, uh, uh, Jumbo gave up w- one run, got out of the okay. jam. So they're up 6 5, bottom seven. The Reds have two out, two on. Brandon Phillips at the plate. So they can give themselves a little breathing room here if he gets a base hit. I'll keep you up. Okay, thank but, you, uh, please. Yeah, they're gonna need it. I think we're gonna get Blake Wood in the eighth. Uh <laughs> oh! Line drive to second. Kipnis makes a nice play. We go to the top of the eighth, reds up six five. Uh new day Vaud villains. I'd like to see the Vaud villains win the titles here. I have no idea if this was the original plan. I have, I have no idea if they were supposed to win the match against Enzo and Cass before the I don't uh, think so. fortunate injury. I have no idea, but you know, now that we know Enzo's okay, and okay in terms of his health, I don't know about his push and all that because they might just go all the way with Cass here. Uh, unfortunately for Enzo, but now that we know he, his health is okay, I think it's okay for us to say I think this all worked out because the Vaude villains. I think you know. Remember, we were talking about how they 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 were doing such a good job, but be, but they weren't getting any kind of crowd react. They're getting over yeah. with the crowds now. Now that the crowds sort of understand who they are, what they're doing, uh, and, 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 they, and they've been on Raw instead of SmackDown and all those things, that, that, that wasn't the case as, as little as three weeks ago. And this feud has a little bit of juice. And I'll tell you what, it, it doesn't feel like it's the wrong time for a title switch here to me. I don't know that they're going to do one, but I, I wouldn't kill them if they did. I, I, I would have no problem with the Vaude Villains winning the titles here. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, because the new day, it, it, it's interesting. They've had a very long run with these titles, and you know, it seems like they've had these forever. But it's like there's no cachet in them having those. You, you know, like they don't really lose anything by not being the champions, right? Oh, you see what I'm getting at? Like nothing at all. What changes? Like, like we talked about Charlotte. A Charlotte, if she doesn't have that title, everything about her demeanor, everything about her character, it changes. She needs that, you know, that title as a, as a form of uh, of you know, this is you know, I am the best because I have the New Day doesn't care. They don't it, care. It doesn't matter yes. to them. It, it's it's yes. irrelevant. The title is a prop for the New Day. The Vaude Villains, it could be, and and it's it's interesting to say that. Where is it? You know, it's a prop for one team, but it could be a real you, you know a big boon for another team. And the Vaude Villains are definitely one of those. Like their whole demeanor and their whole character can really be amplified by the fact that they are the champions and they're a fun little team that can can face other heel teams, can face other face teams. I think they're perfect, perfect for the tag team championship role. Absolutely perfect because the New Day, they don't need it. They, it, it doesn't matter. They can fight in, they can go for the titles, they can be in random tag matches, but the titles are completely irrelevant to them. Whereas I think it would really, really enhance the Vaude Villains a lot. I, I agree with everything you just said. I, I would, uh, I would like to see a title switch here. 
Um, I, 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 I'd be okay with the New Day winning too. But I mean, I, I think it's it, it. The timing feels okay for a title switch to me. Uh, eighth inning, Ross Ollendorf takes the bump for the Reds. Oh boy, that's not good. So they didn't even go with Wood. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you updated as uh, we start the eighth. Um, so yeah, I would have to give this match. I'm into this. I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah, I'm I'm in about a seven. Um, I, yeah, I like it. Yeah, not bad. Uh, anyway, the main event now, we have an Extreme Rules match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Of course, Roman Reigns defending his title against AJ Styles. Uh, Joe, I'll ask you first. Any chance AJ Styles wins here? No. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Unfortunately. Sorry, uh, not going to happen. Uh, amount of shenanigans, maybe on a, on a scale of one to five, how many uh, how much shenanigans are we going to see in this match, or will uh, it be pretty straight? On a scale of one to five? Yeah. 10. We're definitely yeah. seeing shenanigans. I, mean, I, like, I think like how quickly will we see shenanigans? Like, will, will they get 10 minutes before shenanigans happen? Or will it be like instantly where the club comes out and it's just no, that th- for the I, entire time? I think the way they've built the match where sort of Roman is doing the whole Roman's doing a Shades of Grey character and they've sort of presented AJ in Shades of Grey um, which, which, is, which is perfect. We we you know AJ is is not really acting like a full on heel, but yet he associates with two guys who are clearly heels. Um, when prompted by by Roman, he does heelish things, but at the same time, he's still getting cheers from the crowd. Uh, he's sort of in this weird place. I think this is the match, and this is how they get out of AJ not winning. And I think that this is the match where the club probably turns on AJ. Um, it's going to happen at some point, and I think at some point uh, Finn Balor is going to be uh, attached to the club as a heel. And the that's th- what I always thought the main story was going to be. But. Eventually, yeah, I think that's where it's going to go, and they're going to feud with AJ Styles, the face again, playing off things because AJ Styles and Finn Balor were were ships in the night in New Japan. As one guy was leaving, the other guy was coming in, and there's sort of always been that thing where AJ replaced Finn Balor, right? Uh, and it's like uh, in more ways than one, you know, um, you know, in 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 terms of uh, you know, AJ got Finn Balor's big push that was on the books for Balor before he left, and he took his place in the Bullet Club. All of those things and i think that's where eventually he's going to go because balor is far better suited to be a heel and i think he'll uh now he's facing samoa joe at the next big uh nxt event correct they're doing the whole uh he is yeah they're doing a still uh, a cage match so pretty good indication that right that will... so... <laughs> ideally uh, the old classic idea that a steel cage is you know the the loser of the steel cage will will probably leave the territory i'd, I'd assume correct I, and I feel like it should be Balor, and he should come in. So, yeah. but with that said, it might be too soon to do the club's turn on AJ because that Balor match would still have to happen. Now, you don't have to bring Balor in at that moment. You know, you can bring Balor in later. Um, but I, I do feel like, how much longer can you string along? Is AJ a dick or is AJ a nice guy? How much yeah. longer can you string that? Along? So I feel like this is the show where we get that definitive answer. And in my well, opinion, the club turns against him. I, I would maybe ask, how would the club, what, what, what would be the reasoning for turning on styles at this point in, in your mind? How would you sort of tell that story? Maybe they come down to help him win the title. And he does to, to bring it full circle. He does the old Prince Devitt thing and says, no, I don't need your help. And they get annoyed by that. And okay. then they say, well, fuck this guy. And they give him the magic killer. And you know what I mean? And then Roman spears him and, and beats him. Um, again, that doesn't look great on Roman, but the idea here is that would make Styles a full-fledged baby face at that point. You know what I mean? And 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 they, 
and, and then you, you do whatever you're going to do from there. Uh, that's one way you can get around that. Um, you know, the other way to get around that is maybe their interference backfires and they cost AJ the match and then AJ gets annoyed with them and sort of hand waves them and then they attack them. There's a lot yeah, of, different, yeah. there's a lot of different ways you can go, uh, to get to that point. So, but, but I do think that this feels like the right time to finally pay that off. Cause he's got sort of that uneasy thing going with the club and he sort of has that, the shades of gray going and, um, doesn't this all kind of feel like Roman Reigns is just a backdrop for what's going on with AJ Styles? That's how it feels to me. It does. I think he's he's been good in the role. I think he's he's had a really good the past few weeks. I, I've enjoyed Roman Reigns a lot. I think it's been a fun little build. I think he's been, you know, he's just kind of like you said. Maybe an accessory isn't the. I don't know if that's the right word because I think people think that that means he's just kind of along for the ride. And in a way, he sort of is. But I think he's done a good job of filling that role. And and and. and for the first time in a while, I mentioned that at the lead of the show, he feels like he's a kind of a human. His promos have been pretty good. He feels like just a normal guy that's kind of caught in this stuff. And that's cool. He's not this superhuman, you know, grunting, you know, superstar superhero that we're, you know, WWE has used him prior. But at the same time, you're right. I, like accessory seems like a, you know, a dirty word to say here, but it really has. The focus has been on is AJ in this club or not, or you know what does this club have to do with this match, and what does the club have to do with AJ, and a little bit more of the Usos as well. Roman Reigns has not really emerged as like the bona fide star of this, more along lines that he's for the ride. But yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's accessory seems a little weird, but I don't know. I've enjoyed Roman, but at the same time, I, I can also see what you're saying that he's he's been not the focal point of this build whatsoever. And this and this is the most I've enjoyed Roman Reigns ever. During this entire storyline from start to finish. Mm -hmm. I think he's been very good here. Now, look, anybody could have good matches with AJ Styles. So, I mean, you know, I I hesitate to call this some kind of definitive turning point in in Roman Reigns Superworker. Because let's see what he does when they stick him in there with, you know... Braun Strowman or whatever the fuck, but but at the same time, I like I think you nailed it. In terms of his character work, he finally feels like a real human being. I finally feel like he's using dialogue that he would use. Yeah, the I things feel, he's saying are actually things that come out of human beings' mouth, as opposed to you know whatever the other stuff. Yeah, that he like. and and I and, and I feel like. Um, you know, he's he just he hasn't been he hasn't been naive at all. He's been like, look, AJ, I don't buy any of this shit. Okay, I know that you're full of shit. I know that you want to screw me out of my title. And this is how Roman Reigns would realistically react to all this after he's been screwed so many times by the authority coming into this. Okay, so uh, I've enjoyed him more in this AJ Styles thing than I have ever in his entire WWE career to this point. And I'll tell you, I feel like AJ Styles has done more for Roman Reigns in two months than this company has done for Roman Reigns. (laughs) In two years or three years or however long it's been that he's been up. I really do. And I feel like there's a chance. There's a chance. There's not a guarantee, but there's definitely a chance that Roman Reigns can come out of this feud and not being booed as much. Look, there's always going to be a segment of, of the crowd that boos him. Sure. But this could be the turning point in terms of be, because he's felt so real in this feud and he's having such good matches, he could come out of this no longer being the guy who gets booed by 80% of the crowd. Maybe it's down to 30 or 40% of the crowd coming out of this. And I think if that's the case, AJ Styles deserves a ton, a ton of credit for that. Because AJ Styles, let me tell you, he's been so good here and we knew he'd be good bell to bell in this company. But man, you know, look, he's not promo of the year or anything like that, but he has more than held his own. Um, Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that's, a, that's a really good point. I did actually want to bring that up is that I, I, I'm shocked that a he's held his own as well as he has, because this is a guy that like you said, I mean, people used to make fun of how bad he was in TNA and, and rightfully so. He was horrible and he just had nothing good to say ever. And you remember he had those melodramatic promos when he was, you know, AJ Styles with a beard. Remember, remember when he came out there and it was just like, what the hell is this? And like, so a, I, I'm surprised uh, and pleasantly surprised that he's been as good as he is on the mic. And then also I'm surprised that they haven't. And, and I'm talking WWE, Vince McMahon, whoever hasn't said this guy can't talk. No, he can't talk anymore. We're done with it. And you, you know what I mean? Like and, and other guys that are, cause he's not, he's not fundamentally great at it it's it's it feels like a guy talking you know and that's fine we enjoy that like you and i like that it's just this guy and we know that that's kind of how he sounds and and how he talks or whatever but the fact that the company hasn't said no 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 this isn't gonna work here's a bunch of lines here's this crap to say you know or just you know he can't deliver it he can't talk whatever forget it he's not gonna talk we'll have you know anderson talk for him we'll have somebody else talk for him the fact that they've trusted him to go you know what hey go out there and have these promos have these promos that feel genuine they feel unique they feel like this guy talking to this guy like the roman reigns and aj in the ring on monday was two guys talking like those guys would talk if they were in a feud like this and they were really challenging one another for it you know what i mean like where it wouldn't be that way normally and it, it just I, i'm shocked that it has been and i'm pleasantly surprised that it's been that way that aj has had the opportunity to talk as much as he has and and do as well as i think he has even if it's not up to, you know, the standards of, you know, he's not an elite talker by any means, but the fact that they've let him have the opportunity and let him be himself on the mic has, has been great. It's been really good. and It's been really refreshing. He's been, he's been way better than I thought he would be. His character work, his promos, his performances uh, and the backstage stuff. The guy who's been disappointing is Carl Anderson, who they are. And it's not his fault. Carl Anderson is struggling mightily with the scripted WWE stuff. It is coming yeah. out so unnatural and this is a guy who we know is such a good natural talker when he's allowed to be himself. And I know he's coming into this. He's been in the company 10 minutes, and to them he's a nobody, and you know he's going to have to earn that, that, that right. But, man, he could, this, he could be over so much more at this point if, if he'd be out there doing his Bullet Club thing, cutting his Bullet Club promos, minus the profanity, of course. Okay, but I think he can do it. Luke Gallows, too. I mean, you know, there's such a difference between Luke Gallows and Sex Ferguson. I mean, Sex Ferguson. (laughs) I mean, all kidding aside, though, this is a guy who has shown with these wacky characters that he's another guy who has a ton of charisma. But it's this this scripted stuff is killing that team. Styles is blowing away Carl Anderson in that department. And that's been a shock to me. Uh, Ollendorf, clean eighth. Jay Bruce, Jay Bruce leads off the bottom of the eighth with a solo homer, his second of the game. So the Reds are back up two. So you got Singrani getting in there, and he's, uh, he's been good. So there you go. A little more of a cushion. They're, they're up two, and they're still batting in the eighth. We'll keep you All updated. Right. So, hey, yeah, a lot of credit for AJ Styles. And I'll tell you, Rich, my number for this match is a 10. Wow. I cannot, I cannot wait for this match. I'm super hyped. Not giving out many tens for WWE pay per views. I can't recall <laughs> like unironically tens. Like you might. Oh yeah, that's. that's I haven't, that's, and it's a Roman Reigns match, and I, and yeah, I'll tell you something <laughs> else. But here's the thing: people think I'm this big time Roman Reigns basher and all that. Oh, let's not have the Roman Reigns talking. No, we're not having the Roman Reigns talk. The thing <laughs> okay. is, I'm the only person who's fair about Roman Reigns. I feel like I feel like I'm one of the only people out there who who, who treats this guy fairly. I just call it like I see it with the guy, good and bad. I mean, Rich, it has not been Roman Reigns' best sessions on this show for the last uh, several months. I mean, it just hasn't been. I mean, it's just a false narrative. I mean, I I just praise the guy on this show. 
you know, but I just don't go overboard. And I don't, I don't go overboard to bury him either. And I'm giving a Roman Reigns match 10. So I don't want to hear from these goofballs who have no idea what they're talking about. Who they're, they're still talking about tweets from fucking 2014. I mean, you know, enough. You know, you know things change. You know, I'm giving it a 10. I, I, this is the best world title program that this company has done. I can't even think of one that matches this. Yeah. Let's try to think of one. I, this is All tremendous right, stuff. <clears throat> All right, let's think here. All right, some something we'll... during the the Brock uh, the good Brock Lesnar reign. Yeah, Brock had a lot of really fun stuff. But did he have a there, program but... as good as this one? Yeah, the builds were always kind of crappy though. They were kind of just like you, you just knew the match was going to be good. And you knew you were going to see Brock, so that was cool. But um, yeah, the triple it. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a this while. has so many layers. Oh my god, I forget that Roman Reigns has been like champion so many times. Like so the last champions were of course Roman Reigns, current champion. Triple H, uh before him was Roman Reigns. Uh before him was Sheamus, so you remember all those great Sheamus uh world title feuds. Uh before him was Roman Reigns. Uh then it was of course Vankit. Then you we gotta go all the way back to Seth uh yeah, Seth Rollins in November. Uh, I'm trying to remember his builds, if any of those uh, were. He really... was a shitty cha- he he had bad championship uh yeah, I mean his matches were always solid, but it was just like the builds were like the sting feud, and yeah. uh, you know, that wasn't great. Um, Good match, the build was garbage. Yeah, um, it was just a, it was just there. I wouldn't even call it garbage. It was just you know Sting throwing the the tr- the uh, statue in the garbage uh, in the garbage truck and things like that. Statue. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So this has been just a great world title program with a bunch of layers, and I'm hey, you maybe got to go back to to Lesnar Cena at, at, at SummerSlam 2014, right? Maybe, maybe. I mean, that might be it. Yeah, that might be the last one. I'm thinking off the top of my head. Yeah, that's. Uh, you're right. I, it's been, and again, it's been in its simplicity. There's, uh, there's a lot of layers to it. There's a lot of fun little nuance to it. But at the end of the day, it's just, you know, you strip all that stuff out, and it's AJ saying, "I want the title," and Roman saying, "No." And then there are, you know, like you said, there's the stuff of you the know, other, Roman yeah. not trusting AJ, the club, you know, being behind Styles, but Styles not being a whole the way into them. You have the Usos defending Reigns, the Usos. And Reigns think, you know, the club's full of shit. They think Styles. It's it's cool. It's been a lot of little fun stuff. But at the end of the day, you can strip it down very simply to, you know, Styles wants a title and Reigns has it and doesn't want to give it the title. And most importantly, and, there's no authority. Yes. Which has plagued and, all of the world title programs. And, and nobody's getting fired if they lose. And it's like, you know, you don't have to break up if this, like, you know what I mean? Like, the, we don't go away if you win. You know, it's just kind of like, yeah, you know, a title match. If you win the title, you get the title. You lose, you lose. And you, you know, and, and it, you know it's going to be a great match. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff. There, that match of payback was awesome. And I, and I think that's why I asked you um, your how the level of shenanigans, because, of course, they're, they're going to happen. I'm with you. It's probably going to be a... a 10 out of 5 because there's going to be shenanigans and extreme rules. It's all this stuff going into it. But I really hope that they let these guys go for a little bit. And and that I hope that even when the shenanigans happen, that they can still have that period. Like they had a payback where you had all that stuff running. You had everybody running. You had all that stuff happen. But then even after that, they still were able to have, you know, five to ten minutes of just good back and forth action while everybody else was knocked out or or taken to the back or whatever. That's what I really wanted of this match. I don't want it to be within five minutes. You got people beaten down. It just becomes a gimmick match at that point because I think these guys are so easily capable of having just a great match that give these guys the time, let these guys do something here. Cause it's going to be, it's going to help Roman Reigns in the future, it, you know, in the present and in the future beyond of just him having going out there, having a great match against a guy like AJ styles and really building up that fan support, which, which is building it's budding. Like you said, it, it's getting there. 
I have a feeling we're going to get a finish that a lot of people don't like. You could have shenanigans that work within the, the context of the match and don't and, and 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 work as part of the match. And I think we're going to get some kind of uh, goofy finish here. I'm not asking for Luthez versus Pat O'Connor. Okay, it, it, it's it's extreme rules pay per view. It's an extreme rules match. And it's a story-heavy match, so I do expect some bullshit at the end, and I do expect some sort of, uh, um, you know, uh, finish that's influenced by by some by some shenanigans. But that could work in the context of the match just fine. Uh, we've seen that before. Um, I wasn't overly bothered by the stuff at the last pay per view, so I, I I expect it. It's 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 the worst when you're not expecting it and it happens, and then it ruins a good match. But when you kind of know it's coming, you know what I mean? It's it's sure. Uh, so I, I give it a 10. Rich, we got a real curveball here, my man. Uh, we're, we're, we're here for the top of the ninth, and Ollendorf is back out. He's come back what? out. Oh, no, here comes Price. This is bizarre. Ollendorf, oh, one of those moves? Oh, you're a... Uh... I think he was jerking around the Indians. He sent Ollendorf out there to warm up, and then uh, when the Indians announced the hitter, I got the sound off, so I don't know what's going on. But then he came out, and now he brought in Singrani. So I think he was fucking with the Indians. What do you think of the idea? Because I've been hearing this. People are talking about ways to sort of increase offense in baseball. And, you know, of course, the strikeout's been too prevalent and people just strike out left and right. What do you think of the idea that a a bullpen guy has to face multiple guys if he's in there or if you bring this guy in? You can't play this like song and dance thing with always playing playing the the matchups. like playing the matchups perfectly. Like it can't always work this way because everybody has like 20 guys in their bullpen now. And they know exactly, you know, that guy's good against lefties. This guy's good, against, you know, of making them like, no, you know what? You brought this guy in to face a lefty, but sorry, he's got to face another batter as well. Like a thing like that, like Olenorf would have to pitch to one of the guys, you know, well, you don't pitched, play this stupid little I tango. I see what you're with, saying. He pitched the, the whole eighth. But I no, yeah, no. But I mean, in the ninth, you can't come out there and warm up, and then you wait for them to make a call, and then you go, oh, okay, here now we're gonna bring this guy in right, or whatever. Because right, right. that happens a lot. I was at a game, uh, a White Sox game, not that long ago, where there was this like song and dance between this guy came out, they announced this guy, then you know they were both looking at each other to see who was gonna make the first sub, and then the other team was like, okay, we'll bring in this guy as a pinch hitter, and then Robin Ventura brought in his guy. It's just like, come on, like let's go, <laughs> let's get going here. But it was like they were st- people were warming up, and it was like, all right, what are you warming up for? We, this is all, this isn't actually what's gonna happen. So I think that, I, don't know. I think that I'm never in, in favor. I, I would not be in favor of rule changes that where they think they just have to increase the scoring. I think let the game let the game play out and and let what's going to happen. Let if this is a low scoring era, it's a low scoring era. I agree. You know, what are you going to do? Right. But if radical changes are not good, radical changes very rarely. Be reactionary to that. Let no. let the player the pl- look the ebb and flow of the players will figure that stuff out it's the same thing with the extreme shifting eventually the, these batters are good enough to where they're just going to start going the other way they're going to sacrifice some power okay when they're batting 215 in the middle of july because they're hitting in the shifts they're going to say you know what i got a contract year coming up uh next year i'm going to sacrifice a little power and slap the ball the other way and the and It'll, it'll, they will figure it out themselves. I'm not in favor yeah. of, of changing rules around to screw around with stuff like that. I'm with you. And, and I think uh, there was a podcast I was listening to. I forgot what it was, but I think Joe Sheehan was on. I was at the Sports Illustrated Strike Zone podcast, which is not a bad one if you're into baseball, but they were talking about uh, you, you know, you make these all these radical changes and completely alter the history of the game and all this sort of stuff. Whereas 
a league like the NBA, and again, we're talking sports, which we'll, sorry, apologize for anybody that's not into sports. A league like the NBA in the early 2000s, of course, scoring was awful. They had transitioned away from, you know, the illegal defense and letting zone come back, and scoring was terrible. But over time, you know, Mike D'Antoni and the Suns, they realized, and, and, and even to a lesser extent, like, you know, Don Nelson and, and the Mavericks and the Kings realized, you know, we're just going to run a lot, or we're just going to shoot a lot of threes or whatever and see what this happened. And then, like, you slowly see it. The NBA kind of said, okay, that's a good thing to do. That's a good thing. And then now we've had this, you know, explosion of scoring whereas the rules haven't changed since 2002 to today the rules haven't changed but the scoring has because people have figured out ways to sort of alter the game in that way whereas yeah making radical changes and forcing something doesn't always work like that's the nhl does that the nhl says oh we got to do three on three in overtime like you got to do that it's like just guys chill like (laughs) people will figure it out like over time you have enough smart people and enough people that can sit there and, and adjust to the rules and adjust to what's going on in the game. Yeah, you're going to have a few years where it's going to suck, but then, you know, people will slowly but surely catch on. Like you said, either bullpens will, you know, something will happen. Who knows what's going to happen? Guys, they'll get more contact, guys. People might say, hey, we don't want to strike out as much. Let's get a guy that we know is just going to make contact and doesn't care about power, and that'll that'll be what happened. Like, right now, we're all big on power and on base and that sort of stuff, and eventually it'll it'll turn into... You know, I don't think it's gonna be the '80s where guys are slap hitting into the turf again, but like, uh, there's gonna be a, a a run of like contact type guys, and that will be a valuable asset in a little bit. Yeah, and the, the game, the game always figures it out and always yeah. adjusts. You just, you know, and I think it's, I, I I like how eras change and things shift and things don't stay the same all the yeah, time. Absolutely, I'm, it'd be boring. It'd be boring if it was always, you know. Everybody always scored five it, runs a game throughout the rest of the history. Like, are, yeah. it, hmm, you know, it's almost as if things are constantly evolving. Rich, I, you know, it's. it's this is we're not talking about evolve. Is that a segue into uh, it's, an evolve it's, it's, discussion? It's bizarre how things are constantly uh, evolving. <laughs> I, I, it's funny how that. I, I have nothing about evolve wrestling or Gabe Sapolsky's uh, on my uh, my list here. But go on, go on with the segue. That I, do we really want to do that topic again? Talk about another no, beaten no. to death topic. We're not going to do uh, you know does wrestling evolve, but. Oh, no, I was mostly saying that you were trying to uh, to lead into some WWE and live. Uh, I don't believe we have that on the docket. We don't. We don't. I was ho- I was trying to get away from the idea that I, I was hoping to steer you away from the uh, wrestling evolve and standards changed argument. But I'm glad we've because you, you stayed away from the Roman Reigns one earlier. Yes. So that's good. And we stay away from that one. Those are the two ones we're just going to never do again because it's awful. And you know, Rich, double- when you make your points enough and prove yourself right, you don't have to keep talking about it. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like that's a that's a pat yourself on the back, Joe. I'm just tired of being right all the time. You know, you you can only be right so much. You know, how does it feel? Uh, Does it get does it get boring being right all the time? Yeah, it it you know it 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 does because it just I don't want to talk about these topics anymore. It becomes a grind. You you know, you're exactly right. Uh, What's next here? So next is Lionsgate Project 2, which uh, unfortunately, uh, by the time a lot of people listen to this, might have already happened. But hey, maybe you're going to watch it unspoiled. Uh, maybe you're going to wait a little bit, wait till the, the night or whatever. But essentially, we're recording this on a Wednesday, the uh, 18th. It's going to air uh, Thursday morning uh, on New Japan World. But uh, you wrote a really good preview for the website. And I think even if you've watched the show, I think we can add some value to it um, to an extent of just kind of giving you some background of these guys. Or maybe you listen to this podcast while you're watching it. Well, either way. Uh, we're still going to do it, even though it will air by the time a lot of people do listen to this. But uh, what do we have on the docket here? Do you want to go match by match? Do you want to talk about overarching storylines with here? Because I think, again, if people haven't seen voicewrestling.com, you did a really good preview, uh, giving some background to these guys, um, giving some ideas of what you can sort of expect from these guys and from these matches and these matchups or whatever. But uh, maybe start with your overall thoughts. And then, I don't know, do you want to go match by match here or do you want to just kind of give an overall thought can, uh, about the Lionsgate? We can do it quickly. But like you said, a lot the the people who are super interested in the show will have watched it by the time they listen to this. Right. Um, 
but there are some overriding themes, I think. Uh, first of all, we get our first Kaiantai Dojo uh, young boy into the mix on this show with Aito uh, Yoshida. He'll be working the third match against Hitoshi Kamano. And pay attention to him because he uh, might be popping up on New Japan World again soon. I feel like, okay, he's part of the Kaiantai Dojo tournament for the Super J Cup representative. Yes. And I don't know that he's going to win, but I feel like he's got to be one of the favorites because, okay, first of all, he's on this Lionsgate show, which means... Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty good giveaway to yeah, me. Yeah, so but. Kayantai Dojo obviously likes him, and obviously uh, the people booking this show like him uh, to choose him because Kayantai Dojo has a bunch of rookies, including the Dinosaur Rich, who uh, very <laughs> easily could have been on this show, uh, but they, they bypassed the Dinosaur. I'd love to see him on one of these shows. Uh, but th- yes, there's a guy who does a dinosaur gimmick complete with a tail. Yeah. So so yeah, uh, that's a, the tail that's too. A real it's, a big, it's a big deal. That's not even like a, like it does it well. It's actually not as horrendous as like when if if you've never seen it, you would kind of think it's a joke and not that. It's actually pretty decent, right? And he'll talk to you. you and he'll talk to you on Twitter in English. Yes. Yeah. It's broken English, but he tries. Damn it. <laughs> Uh, the other thing about Yoshida is he won their the Kaiantai Dojo League. He won their uh, I forget what they call their league. Um, I met the, the Metal League, the 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 Metal League that they the K Metal League. Okay. Yeah, the K Metal. So he won the K Metal League. He's booked on the Lionsgate show. He's in their tournament to determine their J Cup representative. Now they it, it could be a situation where they don't want to just give this kid everything. You know what I mean? So we could see someone else emerge from that Kaiantai Dojo tournament. But at any rate, we're talking about the Lionsgate Project Two show. And he will make his debut here, and he's the first non-New Japan or Noah wrestler to appear on a uh, on one of these uh, Lionsgate Project shows. So that's that's one theme. The other big theme is I think as much as who's on the show, it's who's not on the show. Because I thought by now we all thought we'd be seeing Oka. And of course, Tomoyuki Oka is the blue-chip New Japan prospect who wrestled the exhibition match against Katsuya Kitamura on the first Lionsgate show. It was a three-minute exhibition match, refereed by Yuji Nagata. It was nothing but but shoot wrestling and grappling. Uh, it was very simple, very basic. They feel like this guy can be a future... They think he's the future ace of the company. They think he's that good. And when someone has that reputation that quickly... Very rarely are people wrong about it. So this guy has high expectations. Kadani loves him. You know, he personally brought Nagata loves him. Everyone's behind him. So whether he does eventually become an ace or not, you know he's going to get the full push, the promotional muscle of the company, and he's going to get a shot at it. So get used to the name Tomoyuki Oka. The problem is, I thought for sure he'd make his debut on this show after working the exhibition match on the first show, and he's not on this one. And neither is Kitamura. And, and that surprises me. And Takumi Hanjo, their other heavyweight prospect, New Japan, mm-hmm. who did debut on the last show. He worked the opener against Maybach. Terrible match. Because, number one, it's Maybach Taniguchi. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, a trainee and Maybach Taniguchi is not a great uh, matchup. And though. Hanjo was very nervous, understandably. It was his first match. And he was working against a terrible opponent. He was awkward. He didn't look good in the match. But these shows, that's, it's okay. You know what I mean? It's okay that guys don't look good on shows like this because that's the whole point of these shows. It's for these rookies to get in there and work in front of crowds. I'm shocked that those three guys aren't on this show. I think that's a big theme of this show that these three guys aren't working it. So uh, what, do you, what do you make of that? Were you expecting, the, yeah, I was expecting I was, to see these guys? 
yeah at least at least a few of them like maybe not every single one of them um but yeah the fact that none of them are there is is, is really interesting and especially oka who um i i i mean i guess that <laughs> like we saw the exhibition like yeah the fact that he's still just like they feel that he's not even ready for this yet exactly. even like even a match like this, even uh, an event like this, which which we're into and we're talking about, and we did a preview for the site. But let's be honest, like who, how many people are actually watching this thing? It's in like, Shinjuku like, face in front of three hundred. Like, come on, fans. like so yeah, I got three hundred people live, and then how many people legitimately on New Japan World are are watching this? Yeah, I mean, no one's and watching every match too, and it aren't scrolling through whatever the hell you know. Like, like if you were a casual fan and you saw the names that are in the first, you know five matches or whatever until you get to Ogawa and Finley and even then you might go out ah, whatever until you get like like if you were legit say you're sort of a, a a casual but but interested fan in Japan or whatever are you really going to care about those trainee versus trainee matches like let, let's be honest like if you were watching a WWE show and it was a bunch of no-name NXT guys and then you know midway through the card was a bunch of guys you heard of you're probably going to skip a lot of those early ones you're not going to watch that crap whereas this one I get the same vibe by that too like I, I just I, I don't think a a lot of people are going to watch this show, <laughs> you know. Other, you know, you said three hundred live, and then got. I, I don't even know what to estimate how many you know would watch in a New Japan World. But the fact that you still say, yeah, we still don't really want you, even in e- even if it's an exposing match, even if Oka's in some match against some nobody or another trainee or whatever in the opener, and it goes five minutes, like they don't even have him at that level yet, and that's. I don't know. That's interesting. Maybe with Oka, they want to save him until he's really ready, so he makes a great. And that could be impression. it. They don't want the the future Ace to have a, a period where people can look back and go, "Hey, look how shitty he was." But like, at the same time, does awesome. anyone ever remember that? No, no one ever remembers that because you're going to send these guys away on excursion. That's the, that's one of the points of the excursion to come back with a fresh face, and you leave the young boy stuff behind. Now with Oka, they might be treating him completely differently. They may not want to debut him until he's completely ready, and he might be a guy who never goes on an excursion. He could be a guy who just gets pushed right off the bat. I don't know. I just think it's odd that all three of their heavyweights are not on this show, especially when two of the three weren't on the first one. They seem to have a lot more faith in Kawato and Kanemitsu, who both figure to be juniors. We don't know yet because they're like 18 years old, at least in Kawato's case, and you never know who how they're going to fill into their frames. You know what I mean? But at this point, it seems like they have more confidence in the two juniors in this class than they yeah. do the three heavyweights. And, you know, it's – look, I know Noah and New Japan are different animals. But if you read my uh, preview, you know, uh, you know, Noah's got their 18-year-old kid, Kiyomiya, and he's got like 40 matches under his belt. And Kawato's 18 years old in New Japan, and he's got like, you know, I, I think like – less than 20 matches under his belt. So Noah has their kids on the road, working tours, working every night, working openers, while the New Japan young boys, you know, because Finley and White are still around, you know, you know, these guys aren't getting as much in-ring work as the Noah guys are. Now, look, Noah's cards are thinner. Noah's roster is thinner. All of those things play a part. I understand all that, but I think it's going to make uh, a huge difference when Finley and White finally go away, and we think mm-hmm. we think White's going away in September to go to Ring of Honor. Presumably, Finley will be leaving at some point as well, so these guys can start working every show. Um, you know, it's going to be hard though 
to work five guys into the shows. Yeah, well, Hanjo's an interesting one as well because I wanted to look at his cage match because I remember him having some other little so random like, like house show stuff. He does, and what's interesting is so he had the 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 debut, of course, was at the Lionsgate Project one, which is uh, February twenty fifth, and then he had a decent run, like a New Japan Cup house show. He you know he had a match uh, throughout that entire tour, a little bit of the Road, road to Invasion attack as well. So he had matches from you know February twenty fifth until March twenty fifth. And then nothing since then, like absolutely zero. So we had a little run there where they put him in stuff. He had time limit draws. He had matches. You know, he was he was doing something. But now since then, it's been zero. It's been nothing. And that's that's kind of interesting that they haven't for any reason put him on a match or, or put him on a show or whatever. But like you said, it just could be a numbers game as well where they're like, hey, look, you know, stay in the dojo, do your thing. Let's wait till these guys go and then we're going to do it. Because, yeah, like you said, it's a little overwhelming to have what would it be seven, you know, <laughs> young lions running around or whatever. Yeah. There's just not any space on there. But that's kind of what these shows are supposed to be, yes. right? These Lionsgate shows are supposed to be that. So the fact that he's not on that or that none of those guys are on there, no, no, no the fact that both of those guys and, and all three, if you really want to add those, uh, the heavyweights all together, the fact that none of them are on the show when these shows are designed for that very reason is saying, hey, look, we don't have room on your our, our, ho, our house shows, our road twos, but we have this. We have this Lionsgate. I mean, it's literally the point of the entire thing. And for them to still not be on there is interesting, but it could be. Uh, as we said, it could be something where they don't want these guys to be exposed or whatever. But I, it, it wasn't a problem in Project One, you know. Yeah, Hanjo was arguably exposed there. It's like what else, you know? And, and it's odd but, that you know he hasn't worked since March. It, it's like they mysteriously yanked him off the shows in March. Now he could be hurt. I don't, you know, we don't know. Sure, yeah, I have no idea. I have no Besides, idea. They're going to report those things. He he may be injured, you know. But the other two guys just haven't debuted at all. But the the juniors, they seem to be okay with. They seem to be getting at least steadier work. While the Noah guys are pretty much working every night, so they've they've paired up the two eight. The, you know, the New Japan eighteen year old Kawato faces the Noah eighteen year old uh, Kiyomiya in the opener, and then uh, in the second match, the two twenty. Uh, I think they're both twenty three years old. Uh, match off against each other. Kanemitsu, who's the New Japan twenty three year old, and uh, Shiro Tomiyose, of course, from Noah, who you know more people listening to this are probably familiar with because again they they work every tour. So they've matched up the 18-year-olds and the 23-year-olds against each other in two singles matches. And then the third match, I, I sort of talked about Ayeto Yoshida already from uh, K-Dojo. He's facing Hitoshi Kumano, uh, of course, who's been with Noah for like three or four years now. But he's only like 24 years old, so he started yeah, very young too. Yeah. And he's sort of a guy who it's almost time to start pushing him. You know, He was in the junior league last year in Noah. He figures to be in it again this year. And, um, you know, he's, he's not really, I, w- I'm, I don't even sure I consider him a young boy at this point. He's more of just at the prelim stage of things. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, what's up with that. And then he gets in some, if you look at results too, he, I, I'd say he's definitely out of the young boy uh, stage as well. Cause he'll they'll just put him in like random tags. Like he'll just be a part of tags with like decent guys too. It's not like he's a complete nothing or just a guy that's in there doing, you know, the, the time limit draw type stuff. Like he's like, a, a feels kind of like a full fledged roster member at this point, but they're just not doing anything with and him. And he beats the other, and he beats the other young boys. He, he right, beats right. him like a drum. I mean, he never loses to him. I mean, he's, he's there three years, their senior. So, uh, by the way, Singrani gave up a two-run homer, so it's a tie game, and we're going to extra innings. <laughs> oh, God. And he gave up a two-run homer to Rajai Davis, who's not exactly... Oh, uh, yeah. Rajai Davis. How many home runs does Rajai Davis have in his entire career? I don't know, but he's got two in this game. <laughs> I think that might... Let's see how many Rajai has. Oh, boy. Red's bullpen, baby. He's got 45 in his entire career. Little, that's more than I thought, actually. I mean, he's played since, like, 2006. Yeah. His totals are 1, 3, 3, 3, 5, 1, 8, 6, 8, 8, and now 2. Yeah. 
Nice. Nice job, guys. It's night. <laughs> so Singrani, yeah, he blew it. Uh, so, and the Reds will obviously lose this game. So there's no question. Yeah, it's over now. You might as well just turn it this off. Is, this is every night, Rich. This is, this is every <laughs> single night. This is how it plays out. The bullpen blows a lead, and then they, and they lose late. I'm telling you, if the bullpen only blew half of the leads that they've blown, they'd be like two, they'd be like two games <laughs> under 500. This is ridiculous. They'd be right in the mix. Stupid. Um, okay, so then you get to the meat end of the card. We got David Finley against Yoshinari Ogawa. Hey, look, if those guys mesh well together, that can be an awesome match. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Ogawa had the, the, the had a really awesome match against Jay White last time out. I think it was my favorite match in that entire Project 1. Yeah. I mean, like, Ogawa was just such a raging dickhead to Jay White the entire time. When, and it was so good. And he's going to do that again here. We know it. Like, Finley, you know absolutely. he's going to and, and a guy like Finley, who came up in wrestling and probably grew up watching Ogawa, he's probably going to be into this, wrestling a guy like Ogawa. He's probably going to be excited about it. Uh, then we've got these weird veteran tag matches that they always seem to do. We've got Captain Noah and Genba Hiroyanagi against Mohamed Yone and Ryusuke Taguchi. <laughs> now, now on paper, that looks awful, right? Uh, yeah. But look at this tag team, Mohamed Yone and Ryusuke Taguchi. No, that, that sounds pretty awful. No, it's the funky weapon and Mr. Afro. I'm kind of pumped up for this team. Okay. okay. I think this could be a regular team. I really do. I think this could be a fun comedy team, Mohamed Yone and Reyesuke Taguchi. Now, uh, can they be in Noah? If they're in Noah, I approve. That was my other thing. It also gets okay. Taguchi out of New Japan, and you sort of move him over to Noah. I, I, yes, Joe, I am seeing what you're saying, and I approve. Now you're on That board. would be, yep. All right, well, there you go. Uh, now, the thing with... You're a Yone guy this year. He's your guy this year. Now, why the hell are Captain Noah and Genba working tag matches on all these shows? This, this is like the only Captain Noah doesn't need to work here. He does not need to be on. Like, and you can't even say that it's because we want to, you know, oh, we want to sell tickets or hey, it's fucking three hundred people, and there's no reason whatsoever, zero reason in the world for Captain Noah to be on these shows. Zero. The only thing I can come up with is since one of them is the Booker, and the other one is like one of the key trainers. Well, who do you mean? What are you talking about? Oh, that's a good point. I don't see Jado here. <laughs> yeah, rumor has about? it, though. Uh, rumor has it uh, that Cap- don't Christmas show. No, rumor has it that Captain Noah might have a hand in that uh, in that in that booking. Oh, he's got a, he's got a part of the pencil. He's got a part of the well. pencil, not the whole pencil, but and, part. And of it. the other guy's like one of the key trainers in the Noah Dojo. Sure. So you figure they're going to be at a show where their students are working, right? Well, why don't they face their students then? I, it, I, listen, I'm not defending these awful veteran tag matches. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I'm just... But I'm sort of just trying to figure out why they keep getting booked because I guess they figure, all right, if they're going to be in the building anyway, we might as well, you know, fill out the card <laughs> with them. You know, that I mean, maybe that's the reasoning. I have no idea. But again, why aren't they facing younger guys? I mean, yeah. There's no reason. Okay. Why are Mohamed Yone and Ryosuke Taguchi here? That's the better <laughs> yeah. question, right? Yeah, why is Taguchi here at all? Like, well, who called him and why is he here? Like, like why would Yone and Taguchi work the show? Like, you could almost justify the other two because they're there for office reasons. No, but they had to actually call Yone and Taguchi and say, hey, are you guys free this day? Cool. Come on in. I can, I can imagine the excitement on their end of the other line. I'm sure, <laughs> right. I'm sure Mohamed Yone wants to waste a day off going down to Shinjuku face after a 20-year <laughs> career. He's got himself a little day off here, and he's got to come down here and work this stupid tag match in the middle of the well, show. Well, think of Taguchi, too, because he's in Best of the Super Juniors. Like, he has a very busy month coming up. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Like, he could probably use a few days to just kind of chill. Put some hard matches in front of him. Yeah, I agree. That's the part. Maybe he's broke. Maybe these guys are broke. Maybe that's what that's. Listen, if... I don't know what this is paying. I don't know what Lions Gate's paying, <laughs> but if they need this eighty dollar payday, then they, they have bigger <laughs> problems. Then I mean, I you know, then we got Jay White versus Marafuji. Okay, that has a chance to be good. 
Uh, Jay White has been on fire lately. So I think that depending on Mar- yeah, maybe he'll get a good match out of Marafuji. Depending on Marafuji's, uh, you know, motivation level here, uh, you know, we might get a decent match out of these two. So we'll see. Marafuji can be very hit or miss. If Marafuji decides he just wants to go in there and chop Jay White for twelve minutes, and then uh, you know, hit the fucking whatever he's using as a finish these days. I don't think he's using the pole splitter anymore or whatever the fuck. But uh, you know, then it's not going to be very good. But if he wants to go out there and give this kid a, a decent match, and it could be something. What do you think of Ghost Shiyazaki versus Juice Robinson? Because Juice Robinson really stepped up against Nakajima on the first show, and that was kind of like his. Uh, I, I think without question the best match he's had in Japan so far, and maybe the best match of his life. I think it's a fun little matchup, but I'm I'm, I'm left wondering or, or left hoping that we could see Jay White versus Shiozaki. I think that's just a much cooler match in my mind, but, but that's the fancy booker in me. I would prefer that. Uh, but Juice in, in Japan, it's really been, you know, I saw him in AEW and it was, you know, not, not great. And he was still kind of weird about uh, what to do in America. But as far as Japan, I think he's harnessed that character perfectly. I think he understands what he's doing in, in Japan. And this is a really good opportunity for him because this is a guy who who has asked for a while. And obviously this whole excursion, this whole Japan thing has been to sort of build himself back up build himself back up and this is you know granted like we said it's on a very minor show it's a show that not many people are going to see but to be in a singles match against a guy like a Ozaki who can have a very good match in, in this situation if he again like it's a motivation level will be a thing but i think Shiozaki, i i i in my mind think he's gonna you know step it up at least a little bit whereas Mirafuji, i'm not sure about but yeah it's a big opportunity for juice and it could be really good i um I don't know. Could it be bad? I don't know. Maybe Juice gets a little too weird and gets a little too comedy based and it's just sort of that. But given where it's placed on the show, too, it's not just a throwaway in the middle. The fact that it's a semi main. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a very good chance that it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's really good. But I'm left hoping that we saw Jay White and Go Shiozaki because I think that would be spectacular. Jay White, Go Shiozaki. But maybe that's next time. Maybe it's not to be. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Shiozaki and Juice. I, I'm really interested in seeing it, mostly because I, I want to see how Juice steps up. I want to see it. This is a big situation for him. You can't, you, you, he's got to knock this one out of the park. Yeah, and that's the essence of these cards. It's these young guys who normally work prelims getting a chance to step up. And Juice stepped up last time. Interesting, too. Last time around, if you take a look at it, it was Kitamiya in the main event, it was Juice Robinson in the semi main event, and it was Jay White third from the top. Different opponents in all three cases, same thing here. So you kind of see who these companies are behind in terms of long term. You know what I mean? It's interesting when you look at it from that perspective too. Main event, last time it was Kitamiya. Uh, new name now, Masa Kitamiya, taking on the name of uh, one of his mentors, Masa Saito, uh, since the first show in, uh, in February. He had a singles match against Nagata last time. This time it's an eight-man clusterfuck. Noah versus New Japan. Nakajima, Kitamiya, uh, uh, Maybach Taniguchi, and Quiet Storm against the New Japan Dads. All four of them, Rich, Yuji Nagata, Manabu Nakanishi, and Tenkoji. I don't understand the point of booking an eight-man tag in this main event. I sort of prefer the idea of Yuji Nagata being the, the, uh, the kingpin of these shows and just take, yeah, gatekeeper. Yeah. taking on all comers and just beating the shit out of whatever young kid steps in his face on any given night on these shows. Uh, now, if they build to a match on the next one coming out of this, like let's say uh, if they're building towards a Nakajima-Nagata match or a Kitamiya rematch against Nagata or something like that, okay, I can see what they're doing here. If it's just a Bushi Road eight-man tag and nothing comes of it 
and Satoshi Kojima hits the Koji Lariat. He hits the strongest arm on Quiet Storm, and the fans say yay, and everybody goes home. That's a waste of everybody's time. Yeah, part of me loves that it's all the dads teaming together. Yeah. That's fun. But yeah, like you're right. The, the purpose of it just seems really like I think guys and, and this show and everything can gain a lot more by, like you said, a, a, a Nagata or even if you wanted to say it, maybe if it's not Nagata, maybe Nagata is just doing whatever, even like a Kojima in a one on one against one of these young guys like that's the there's just no point to this match. I mean, it's it, it might be entertaining to see the dads or whatever, but you just you, you want a little bit more out of these Lionsgate shows. And I think maybe that's us, you know, thinking more of it. But it seems like these shows are just primed and perfect for, to be that. Like really step out of the, the comfort zone, really just do stuff that's different, really do stuff that that builds up these young guys and has them ready to go. Because you look at this card and yeah, there's some good stuff there. You know, Jay White will obviously, you know, benefit from being in the ring with Marifuji. And of course, Juice Robinson against Go Shiozaki, a big deal. And yeah, to a lesser extent, Finley and Ogawa. But the rest of it is just kind of like, I, I don't know, like I feel like it's a better I think these cards and, and hopefully in the future they f- fill this out a little bit more. I think those sort of matches, the Jay White Marifuji, the Shiozaki Juice, those are the type of matches that I think really do these guys and do this this card a, a, a big service. Is having Nagata versus somebody. Maybe it's a you know what? Hey, you don't trust one of these super. Have him in the ring with Nagata. You know what I mean? Like you know Nagata is going to lead this guy to something decent. You know he's going to have something good. A guy like a Kojima. We talk about these trainees that they're scared to put him in the ring or whatever. Have him go against these guys. Like, yeah, they might lose in five minutes to one of these guys, but at least there's there's some building going on, whereas nobody gets any shine off of Nagata, Tenzai. I mean, we're talking. there's a lot of good names in that match. There's legends of New Japan that benefit in no way by being in this main event for nothing. It's just, it's there. Who cares? Like, how could you possibly care about that main event? Even if you do a tag, I can live with a tag. If you want to do Nagata and Nakanishi against Nakajima and Kitamiya, that's a nice little tag match to main event with. Sure. Yeah, you do the eight man, it's 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 just it becomes a cluster. And again, we'll see if something builds out of it for the next show. But if it's just a standard eight man that goes nowhere, I really feel like it's a missed opportunity to do a nice little singles match like they did last time with Kitamiya and Nagata, which was novel and was different and was a chance for a guy like Kitamiya to work with a, an experienced guy like Nagata. But another, I think this is another, uh, this is another um, uh, positive booking for Kitamiya, though, being in the main event again. This is a guy that we're all begging Noah to push, and they're really taking their time with it when, when, when this is the perfect opportunity to push new faces. But I do think it's a good sign that he's in the main event of both of these shows. So sure. anyway, I'll be doing a review for this, too. I don't know when I'm not going to be able to watch live. It'll probably be out, uh, what, tomorrow's Thursday? Maybe late Thursday, early Friday, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, but don't 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 get nuts about it. It's it's also a show again, like we said. It doesn't really matter if it's <laughs> it's reviewed like right away. It's it's kind of an evergreen show, and then yeah, the what happens in it is not going to matter um, to stories all that much. But yeah, uh, interesting for sure. But yeah, of course, uh, if you're reading this now and either haven't watched the show or even, I think it's a good primer to while you're watching the show as well. VoiceWrestling.com, you did a very good preview, and then yeah, yeah, of course, like you said, we'll have the review up there at some point soon. All right, uh, sticking with New Japan, you want to go to Best of the Super Juniors? Yes. All right. Uh, I think the best format for this um, is to break down every single match and predict who we think is going to win every single match. Uh, I think that will <laughs> go smoothly and, and be great. No, of course, uh, I think the best thing to do, let's go by the blocks and let's talk about the guys and maybe do a little bit of a, and we did this in a preview for the site, of course, voiceofwrestling.com to check that out. We did a, uh, a preview of the blocks 
Uh, we did a kind of a write up on each guy and sort of what we think that guy's going to do, what he might do, his history in the the tournament, that sort of stuff. But I think that's going to be the best format here is to sort of mention a name, discuss what we sort of think that they're going to do in this tournament, what their potential is, you know, whether they, we think they're going to win, whether you know what their purpose is for being in this tournament, and then go by that because I don't think anybody really wants to hear us, you know, break down every match or whatever. That's that's not fun at all. I mean, if you love that, if you want to do that, of course we have our pick'em contest. We you can still join until uh, until the show start uh, Saturday morning. Uh, you can go to voicewrestling.com uh, for details on that as well. But yeah, let's just go by the blocks and let's just talk about the guys. I, I think that's probably the best way to do it. Maybe we can predict you know how many points or, or where they're going to be at the end. But uh, I'll start with the A block here. And you got Bushi. What do you think about Bushi here? Because I am uh, I this guy could win the whole thing. He's a dark horse to win the entire tournament. I picked him. I really did pick him to win the whole thing. I think he's. I don't know. It, it just seems like. That's a guy that, I mean, the story's fine. I mean, it works that another Ngobernable guy, you know, reigns supreme. And I don't think that's a crazy story to tell. No. So I, I do think he's a dark horse to win the entire tournament. He could win his block. On the last night, of course, he's facing, um, uh, who's he facing on the last night? He's facing, uh, isn't he facing Kushida on the last night? Let me uh, let me see here. I don't have it up right now. Let me see. Best of the Super Juniors. So I, you know, I know he's got a key match on the last night, which means he's going to be in the mix going going into the end. So he he is. I, I he wouldn't be my pick, but I do think for sure that he's a dark horse to win the whole thing. So uh, definitely a player. He's a player in the tournament for sure. He's not a guy that, that you that you can write off before the thing starts. He's in the mix. All right, let's see here. Sorry, Let me I've fire got, up. I've uh, got, you're correct. Yeah, yeah, it's against Kushida. So yeah, of course, knowing that that yeah, those both those guys will be in the mix. At the oh, end. Rich, I got, I got. Uh oh. Oh. They pulled all what? the cards on the New Japan official site. Uh oh. So it looks like the replacements might be coming soon, and it looks like they may have reshuffled some things because all the cards have been pulled. Uh oh. Well, that's that's great. <laughs> that's that's horrible uh, news for you. Yes, I mean, it's got if they change. Yeah. In your, listen, hopefully for us, <laughs> this is what this is what you need to hope for. Seriously, uh, that they just okay. So we Chase Owens already let the cat out of the bag. He says he's going to be on the tour. They're not bringing him on the tour to work underneath tags. He's obviously replacing either Nick or Matt, and he's probably replacing Nick because Chase Owens announced on Twitter he was going on the tour before Matt was injured. Correct. So I think we can assume Chase Owens is replacing Nick. Or before it was well known that Matt was injured. Right. Because it's the same match, but he didn't say it. Before Matt pulled out or was pulled right. out or whatever. Now Matt now is out. Now what you can hope for here is that they're simply putting Jay White or David Finley in that spot. And and they're not changing any of the uh, tournament matches and they're just changing undercard matches. Because that's entirely possible if they're pulling a young lion out of the prelims and putting them in the tournament. I really hope for your case that because <laughs> if they've reshuffled the entire tournament, you've got to throw out the entire Yep. You have to throw out the entire contest and start it over. And a lot of people aren't going to join at that point. Yeah, well cuz yeah, we have 116 people that have joined and so people, far. So and nice. listen, people do a lot of work. They do. They do. Yeah, like Morton, I know uh Morton uh, VH, he was on Twitter like talking like every, it was like 3 hours and he was like fantasy he was okay, well here's what I got here and then, ah never mind, I screw that, I'm going to do this. No, no, actually no, I here and I'm going to do it. like that guy was like I do it in like 20 minutes I like, whatever, but that guy was serious. He was he, he wants to win. It's good prizes too. So I don't blame the him. The only card still accessible on the official New Japan site is the final night uh, the second of the two nights in uh, Sendai, 
which no, of no. course never had a card to begin with. That's just the uh, winner of A block versus winner of B block. So they've pulled everything. I'll ch- I'll check the Japanese site. I'll check the Japanese site too. Make me nervous here. Um, but but if, a simple find and replace could replace those guys' names. I don't know why. If uh, we got to bring everything if down, they've but. pulled it from the English site. I'm pretty sure they've pulled it from the Japanese site too. But I'm gonna pull it up. Uh, for your case, I really hope. <laughs> I really hope. Uh, I'm crying. So uh, anyway. Bushi could win, Rich. Yes. Anyway, if you join, I, I'll, I'll let me. If you join our illustrious <laughs> pick'em contest, uh, you could win a bunch of good prizes from ProCentralShop.com, and then also as well, we have a coupon code there as well. You use VOW code VOW at ProCentralShop.com, get fifty percent off, and that's pretty good. A little VOW exclusive thing there, but the prizes are awesome. So I really hope that this whole thing doesn't blow up because you win, you get a uh, a Kinpuro card pack, which is pretty sweet, like a Best of the Super Juniors one. Uh, second place, you get a program from Best of the Super Juniors, so sweet. And third place, hey, you get a Jushin Thunder Liger keychain. That's not bad. Rich, so. the Japanese, the official official New Japan site. Has also pulled all the cards, Dear so God. they're in the process of reposting the cards as we speak. Of course, this will be old news, much like this red <laughs> when people listen. But what do we do with this? What are we doing? Like, who cares? Why does anybody? We're hearing this? we're hearing your live sorrow as they replace. Uh... You know, well, in all seriousness, I know you're frustrated. You know, I think a perfect replacement for Matt Jackson would be Alex Shelley. What do you think about that? I do. Yeah, I wonder about his whole return to Japan thing. I don't know. I, I think he does might he be okay. strike you as a guy who would be like, you haven't booked me, so I'm not coming back? He doesn't strike me as a guy like that. No, I don't think so. But I think he just, I don't know. He's had a bad, a lot of bad luck at the Super Juniors. Maybe he's kind of okay just sitting this one out and staying at home. I, I don't know. But here's the thing. Much like Chase Owens, because here's where people are crazy. They're all like, oh, Chase Owens is replacing Nick Jackson. Can I change all my picks to losses? Chase Owens had more points than Nick Jackson last year in this tournament. Right. The Young Bucks as singles wrestlers are not treated as anything special. You can put Chase Owens in Nick Jackson's place, and it doesn't have to change anything about your booking. All of the same wins and losses that you had Nick Jackson earmarked for, if you're Gato, can now be earmarked for Chase Owens, and it wouldn't make any fucking difference. And I also think... If it were Alex Shelley replacing Matt Jackson, the same thing applies. What's Matt Jackson going to – Matt Jackson is going to have like six points, right? You can throw Alex Shelley in there and give him six points. Yeah, I, I predicted four. Uh, I think one of our – Bryn, uh, Bryn Gunn, he had two. Like, you know, yeah. He, he <laughs> like, can have the same wins and losses that Matt Jackson was going to have, and it doesn't throw off your, your tournament structure. Whereas if you replace him with Jay White or David Finley – they're going to lose every match. Gonna- it needs to be a guy that, that can take some falls, take a few wins, and nothing matters in the end. It, it just has to be a guy. It, it can't be yeah, it can't be a young lion because they have to lose all the time. And it can't be anybody good because yes. they would have to win more. It has to just be a guy. You can't like, bring somebody- in some other company's star because that they're not going to want their guy to go two and six. You know what I mean? So, yes, you're right. It has to be someone like a Chase Owens or an Alex Shelley. And as frustrated as you are, Gato's twice as frustrated yes. <laughs> that he's got to rebook the whole because these tournaments are a giant puzzle that come together on the last day. And also on the last day, the Jacksons individually were facing Ricochet and facing Matt Seidel. Hmm. <laughs> Pretty obvious. 
that they were knocking both of those guys out and playing spoiler on the last day to set up another tag match at Dominion. I mean, I, you know, a blind man could see that one coming. So that all got thrown out the window too. When bo- even with one Jackson, you could still have that storyline. Now they don't have either Jackson, so they've just you know they, they, they the whole setup for the, the the tag rematch at Dominion has been thrown off too, with the Jacksons being removed. I'm furiously hitting refresh. Because I would love to get this while we're still on the air. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. So well, Bushi could win, Rich. Yeah, Bushi could win. So uh, we'll continue down the list. I, I just we're, we'll cancel the show. We're done. We're over. It's all done. It's all burning in hell. But anyway, it's it's a lot easier this year. Uh, so if worse comes to worse, and we do have to redo it. We'll do it. But yeah, I'm hoping it would make the most sense. Just do a fine and replace and just replace you know yeah. whoever and and but we'll we'll see. Because man. That that would be rough <laughs> if they change all the cards. Like, I, I don't see them doing that. Well, I, I see them just doing a straight final replace, and they just took it all down from the website. Who the hell knows? Wishful thing. Gato, <laughs> Gato. Speaking of Gato, Gato. Hey, you know who else they can bring in? They can bring in Steve Anthony. I was, I, you know, what? that was actually a name that I thought of because, like, uh, look, he'll do it. Like, he'll take the payday. I'm sure, I'm sure. and it. he's a nothing. He's fine. He's neutral. Nobody can, like nothing changes. The the universe moves on if Steve Anthony replaces Nick Jackson. And, you know, and he's he's or Matt Jackson. He's rather. NWA Junior Champ, so it's okay to give him a little bit of booking respect and beat a couple guys. You know, he'd be another perfect guy too. Yeah, and he's probably not going to complain about losing six times because I think he's going to enjoy the check and go, "Thank you, <laughs> I appreciate it." Right, Call me again. and you can't. And the, th- the thing is, at this sort of short notice, you can't just everyone's naming guys from other promotions. You can't just start plucking guys. God, there's these guys. It's a are big tour. Other- it's a big tour too. Yeah. yeah, it's like they're they're around there for a long ass time doing these. And matches. All these guys like, are already on other tours and they have other matches booked. A lot of these indie guys are already have you know. So you can't just you know it's it, it, it's a tricky spot. But we'll see what they do. So uh, who was who was next up here? All right, next up was uh, Gato. Now look, so when I say, Gato, of Gato, Gato has Gato. no chance to win. But the thing with Gato is every year in this, he has one or two matches that shock. They shouldn't shock people, but they shock the shit out of people because they, that was. Yep, that was that was my point. I, I mentioned it in the preview, and I mentioned it in the forums as well. Is that people we always we've always come on here. We've previewed this tournament a few times. We've always come. Don't be surprised if he has a great match, and then he has a great match, and everybody goes, "Oh my god, I forgot that Gato was so good." Gato's good. <laughs> like he's gonna have two or three of these matches where you go, "Oh my god, Gato is good." Last year it was uh, Kyle O'Reilly, I believe. Uh, him, Liger, they had Liger, an awesome match, like, Oh, I maybe both of them actually. I think they both because I remember a Kyle O'Reilly one in Gato being. Fucking awesome, if I remember. And he correctly. had a Taguchi match one year that was really good. So here's our warning again, our, our yearly warning. Gato is good, and he will have two or three matches that will make you go, oh my god, Gato is good. Just Gato is good. Look at the cards. If he's main eventing a show, he's going to have a good match. Yeah. You know, if he's in the second match of the night against uh, Tiger Mask, maybe not so much. He's got Bushi on one of the nights. Him and Bushi, that should be a fun one. There's a um, natural I, feud there, too, because Bushi's exactly. feuding with his boy. So He's got a Matt Seidel uh, main event, I believe. Oh, is that a main event? Uh, I mean, I mean, I think it's the last. I, and again, I don't know if the order was actually set, but as far as when I'm looking at the order, it looks like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he's a guy who when look, he's a smart worker. And I think he's underrated historically as a pro wrestler. You look at his career as a tag, one of the, you know, he's part of a, a, a great tag team in Japan. One of the best tag workers you're going to find. And, and even into his mid, mid to late forties, Two or three times a year, he goes out there and has a and has an excellent singles match. So uh, a guy who's underrated historically, who you can never sleep on in this tournament in terms of putting in good performances, even though he possesses zero chance to win. All right, Kushida, obviously one of the favorites to win the whole thing. I think he wins either this tournament 
or the Super Juniors. The Super Juniors is more likely because this tournament is more to set up a challenger for Kushida. So it makes more sense for him to win Super Juniors than to win this. But he's winning Super J. You mean the Super Oh, I'm J sorry, Cup. the Super J Cup, yeah. So he's winning one or the other. Uh, more than likely, it, it will not be this one. But uh, it wouldn't shock me, though. Uh, yeah, a lot of people are pretty, I mean, I think people will have him, as far as our predictors, uh, the four people there, we have, uh, I put him at 10 points, I think John put him at 10 points, Taylor put him at 10, Bryn put him at 12, like, I see him in the mix, but I, I the scenario of Bushi knocking him out to win the block at the end, that's pretty cool to me, and maybe, you know, you, of course you have a few different matches in there as well, um, uh, like rematches and, and, and people he can beat, like a Kyle O'Reilly as well, there'll be a rematch there on, I think, on the first night. Um, with the old card intent, <laughs> unless something changes. So there's a, there's some cool scenarios there, but I like the idea of him, you know, winning the J, the Super J, and then maybe on this one not winning because again, like the whole carrot of this thing is that the guy who wins gets a title shot, and if Kushida wins, it's it's kind of you know it's kind of whatever. And even if he wins his block, it, it's uh, or, or goes to the finals and then loses in the finals, and then you have that rematch. I don't know that story. I, I just don't like that story all that much. I like the idea that he gets knocked out, and then maybe you have uh, a story then. Maybe him and Bushi. Uh, you, you know, if Bushi does end up winning. I, I just like that story of Bushi knocking him out and then winning the block and then challenging him for the title. I just think that's a much better story than any story that I would have Kushida win. You know, it, it's, Super it's, it's, it just doesn't make sense. It's, 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 just, it's entirely it, possible what you're saying, and I think it's it's likely actually that Bushi knocks him out. But the thing about the one block winner facing the other block winner is that that match sort of will be in doubt when they get in the ring, and you won't really be quite sure, which is fun. You know, because yeah, Kushida but, could still lose in the final, even if you don't think he's winning the whole tournament. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly, what do you think about him winning this thing? Now, it's this is, you know, th- it comes down to him, Bushi, and Kushida in this block, right? I mean, obviously, it's going to be one of oh, those absolutely. three. So, uh, you know, maybe the, the other scenario you have to consider is maybe Bushi beats Kushida in the final match of the tournament, but he's strictly playing spoiler, and it allows O'Reilly to advance to the final. That's, o- that's also a possibility. I think they'll find a way to have all three men alive when Kushida and Bushi hit the ring. And, you know, here's the other thing. We're kind of just assuming Kushida and Bushi will be the main event because that's the one card that didn't have a match order because they like to keep that open so that we can't figure these things out or to make it more hard for us to figure these things out. But based on the other matches, that looked like it would probably be the main event or at least the last match to go on for that block. Yeah. So... You know, I think they'll find a way to have all three of those guys alive with with Kushida with the bell ringing for Kushida and Bushi, even if it involves unlikely scenarios like draws and whatnot. I think they'll find a way to have all three guys alive. Uh, of course, we have the Matt Jackson. We'll skip that. We talked a little bit about him. Uh, Matt Seidel. What do you think about him in this one? I, I had him at six points. I have him just being a, a cog in this thing, but not really being a contender. See, before the Jacksons got hurt, I would have had him alive going into the last day and getting knocked out by Matt Jackson. But now it doesn't really matter what you do with them. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a decent scenario too. But yeah, I, I just yeah, I, I sort of I picked with the idea that of course a Jackson wasn't going to be there, and without that, without the Jacksons, yeah, why why bother you know having him do much of anything? But just have a good matches, which is fine. And I mean, when he's he's going to have matches with Kushida, Bushi, Kyle O'Reilly, Gato, this block's going to have some great matches. Oh yeah. Just in general, this is going to be a really good best of the Super Juniors. And, and I was going through history and looking at different ones and, and looking at the history. And yeah, there's there's some fun names in a lot of these ones, but there's always there's duds. There's there's guys that you look at and you go, ah, geez, like you know, even through history, there's always been a few guys that you look at in these best of the Super Juniors. And there's not really anybody in this one. Like Taguchi is is far and away the worst guy here, and and even he's not bad. Like he can have really good matches, but like yeah, it's it's stacked. It's a really really good lineup this year. 
Uh, Rocky Romero. Yeah, I mean, again, he's, won't be a player. But he's a sleeper. The, the thing that, uh, again, every year I feel like we come on here and we say he's a guy that's going to have good, fun matches, and he's a guy that's going to win a lot more than I think people expect. They really do a lot with this guy in the tournament history. They do. They do. He does win more matches than you think he's going to win. The thing with Rocky Romero is he can beat anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not a, they, they won't be afraid to have him beat anyone. So he's that kind of guy. You know what? It's kind of like the other block. He's sort of the Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish can beat anyone in that block, but he's not going to win the block. You know what I mean? That's kind of what Romero is to the A block. And when he's like the fifth best guy in ringing the block, you know it's a deep block and you know you're going to have a bunch of good matches. All right. Uh, Taguchi, um, I mean, he, yeah, at this point, I mean, this is a guy that used to win these things and, and, and be right up there and, and, and be a contender and be in the block finals. He's, he's here for the ride. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's going to be it. He's, I've met four points total, so maybe two wins. Uh, you know, just because he's got to get a few, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to be a good tournament for old uh, Taguchi, which it's fine. You don't need him. <laughs> it would be a very disappointing tournament if he's a contender at the end. Uh, or even in the final few days. So uh, move on to the B block here. Beretta, what do you think about Beretta for this one? This B block now. Um, I, you know, a guy who will probably have four to six points and disappoint me with a lot of his matches. And I don't know. I'm real weird with that guy. Um, sometimes I think he's just trying too hard to be ironic pro wrestler guy. And it kind of rubs me the wrong way, particularly in New Japan. I think his act works better in better play in, in other places. So um, I could take or leave Beretta, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I'm kind of there, too. Uh, I just I don't know. I don't know what um, he hasn't really brought a lot to the table for me. It's been fun. Like, I enjoy the team to an extent, but it's like there's just I, I don't know. There's just no juice to it. He's just kind of a guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and, and he's Romero. I, I really like Romero, and I think he's capable of doing more. But we always talked about, yeah, it's, it's an upgrade over Kozlov. But and it was temporarily, but it's kind of now hit this point where it's like all right like you know what's next what is the what, what do we get from Rapungi Vice going forward because right now it's just kind of this team and they just kind of do things and they you know no, it, it, I don't know I'm just maybe I'm tired of the team maybe I'm tired of, of of that but yeah Beretta just has not clicked with me in, in New Japan he's there he's fine he's okay but it's like when you talk about this super deep roster and these super deep juniors and all these really great guys and then you have Beretta who's just kind of along for the ride you just wonder who who could be in that spot and do more with it than Beretta's doing with it because he's just kind of there like you said it, it's it's very interesting I feel, uh, but I yeah feel like Beretta is a guy who had his WWE run, feels like he's probably never going back, and now he kind of just shrugs his shoulders and says, eh, this is what I do for a living, so eh, if they book me, I'll show up. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah, getting that paycheck. He's a paycheck yeah, guy. It's, and, you know, it's, but, it's not like he doesn't have a good match every now and then. He's just, I don't know. He's not my cup of tea. He's just too, he treats it too, he treats it all too ironically for my tastes. Uh, Bobby Fish. Your boy Bobby, what's he going to do on this yeah, tournament? He's one of my favorite wrestlers, and I think that this is a guy who does go out there and does take pride in his work and um, does take it seriously. And, and I think he's similar to Romero in the, in the respect that he can't win the block, but he's going to rack up a lot of points, and he's a threat to beat anyone else in the block. That's why you always have to keep an eye on his matches. There's nobody in this block who, if he beat them, you would go, that is a massive upset. He could beat anybody because, as you know, they treat him and O'Reilly very well. They love him, yeah. 
Uh, he was the one that I, I he might have been the hardest guy to sort of predict in this tournament. And, and you can see that from our predictions as well is that Taylor, he has him at 10 points. I have him at six. It's like there's a huge variation where a lot of the other ones were within, you know, two points or, or one win. Whereas this guy, there's variations. You know, Brent has him at eight. Taylor has him at 10. John, and I have him at six. It's just like, I don't know. I could see it a lot of ways. And I was going through the matches and he was always the last one I would fill out because I would be like, ah, man, you know, he could he could beat that guy. He could be like there were like one or two guys. I was like, no, he has no chance of beating that guy. But like. He can beat Jushin Thunder Liger. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing that can, like... I think he can beat that, anybody. And Right. Like, he, he could really just, like... He could be a, a spoiler, too. Like, yep. they, they love that guy. And you have to remember that despite it being, you know... Maybe you don't think a whole lot of Bobby Fish. Or maybe you go, oh, what's just, you know, Bobby... They love he's him. He's a tag wrestler. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But he's a huge tag wrestler there. I mean, yeah. And they love him there. Gato fucking loves that Red Dragon team. And he doesn't job him out a lot. And the thing is... I mean, he finished second in his block last year. Right. I mean that that's the evidence right there. It's like he has the he has a chance to be just a a, a complete I mean, he could be a guy until the last day. He could be out there. Yes. Doing stuff. Who does he have on that last night? Let me see. I hadn't uh, previously seen that. Let's see who he's got cuz that'll uh not saying that'll do anything. Oh, he's got Tiger Mask. So Yeah, he'll be an also ran at that point. He'll be in <laughs> Yeah. So maybe not that match, but sometime. I, I, he won't be in there until the final then, but he'll be he'll, he'll be right there. Um, um, and, you unless know. unless it's like logjam booking and Tiger Mask beats him. To knock him right. out. You know I mean? Well, and that's the other thing with Fish too, and I think you mentioned that as well. Is he can lose to anybody as yes. well. <laughs> it's, it's fine too. So that's where it's one of these fun guys that there's a variation. Like you can you could predict him for ten points, twelve points, or you could predict him for four. And it's like yeah. Eh, any one of those scenarios could potentially happen as well. Uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. I mean, yeah, it's Jushin Liger. So he's another guy. You know he's going to have two or three matches that just blow you away and are excellent matches. He's ageless because he's a smart worker, and, and, and the mask always makes people ageless because you can't see – you don't see them age. He's got the full body costume, the mask, and he can still go out there and work. So uh, you're you never disappointed when you see his name on the sheet. You're always excited about it. And you twenty fourth, twenty fourth best of the super juniors. That's amazing. Twenty four of these things. <laughs> twenty four. We got people who write for us who haven't been alive that long. Right. And it's like, and you don't know how many more you're going to get. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to cherish them. You really got to watch. You can't skip a Jushin Thunder Liger match at this point because it could be all done in in two months. He's you know already I mean? hinted say, around you know, at it. So it's it's you don't know how many more you're going to get. You know, don't skip his shift. If someone says he had a decent match, you don't want to skip it. Um, da, 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 da. Of course, we had the Nick Jackson, the Jackson. We'll we'll skip that because we talked a little bit about that. Who knows who's going to be there? Ricochet. Uh, this guy, you know, it's 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 Ricochet. And I I mentioned uh, my write up uh, for the preview was similar to the one I did in the uh, ebook. It's like New Japan. He's the, the Ricochet is, is their their summer fling. They just love this guy so much. And whenever he comes back, whenever he decides, you know what? Hey, I can do some work for you. They go nuts with the guy. They do everything. They push him to the moon. He's just never he's never a guy there. The second anytime they have an opportunity to hang out with him or do something with him, they go all out. They 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 whine him. They dine him. And they and you know what? It, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's it I, I, it's not likely. But the guy could win the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, there's not like it's not ridiculous to think that because they just love the guy a lot. Like, anytime they get the opportunity to use him, they use him to his full extent. They they just go nuts at the guy. It's not ridiculous. I don't blame him. He's great. It's not ridiculous to think that at all. I, I'd be more comfortable if he wasn't, you know, wrapped up in tag programs right now. Uh, but the, the the thing about it, it, look, man, it's Ricochet. You have a chance to book Ricochet. You book Ricochet. Okay, <laughs> you have a chance to book Ricochet in your junior deal. You book him. You book that guy. That's Ricochet. Okay, that's a big time junior. For the last five years or so, come on, you get that guy in there, and he's always a threat to win. 
He's going to have great matches. He's going to flip around. do his little flippy doos. He's going to have some great matches. He's going to hit some guys with the Benadriller, beat him with the one, two, three. It's Ricochet, Rich. How can you not be excited? You're right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny. Um, in our predictions, because of course, you know, it's 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 Ricochet, and we're sort of people are kind of bullish on him. But at the end of the day, anybody that picked him, I had him for twelve points. John had him for eleven. Taylor had him for ten. Bryn had him for twelve. Like like, there's no like all of us had double digits. Like there's no way that the guy gets like eight points. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Like there's just no chance. Like they they just love this guy so much that even though he's a tag guy, even though 